This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Day four or five or whatever it is now of Grievance Gate. The worst seems to be over. We survived. There is still some uh, fallout, I guess, coming from the, the Jaguars headquarters. We'll have some new information regarding Yannick Ngakwe's contract and, I guess, the well lack of negotiations that took place with him and Tom Coughlin. Um, we'll also talk about a little more on you know the Jaguars Falcons game coming up as well. As you can see, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks and ESPN 690 Radio coming to you from Renna's Pizza here at Neptune Beach. My co-host Brent Martino is uh, on the golf course right now. Hopefully, hopefully getting an 18 before uh, it starts storming out there. I'm sure he's going to have the the storm horn or whatever that thing was. Who's that scared the crap out of me? Was that the storm horn? Yeah, that would be the uh, the lightning horn. This the is lightning Stuart, horn. Stuart Weber here chiming in. Okay, yeah, and then we got Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber there, and the, the whole lightning horn thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know if you need a lightning horn to tell you when it's going to you know, be storming outside, but to each their own. I guess that's why it's a golf course. They got the money to afford it. But Stuart Weber, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing good. It's all in the matter of safety, my friend, because uh, there are a few sports where you literally hold a metal object high into the air uh, and can be affected by lightning quite like you can. Uh, when you're talking about golf. No, I understand completely. And obviously when you're playing football, there's the goalposts that are made out of metal as well. My only point is, if you're worried about lightning, I mean, I think the big observer would just be like, look up at the sky. You could probably get an idea of what it's going to do. Well, if you're willing to put yourself through the mental anguish that is the game of golf, you probably aren't thinking straight anyways. <laughs> True that, true that. So obviously, you know, we, we we talked about the big story today still, and it, and it's sad because we should be sitting here breaking down the Jaguars-Falcons game coming up. Two games left in the season, not a lot to play for. Jaguars out of the playoffs, obviously, but there's still guys that, especially with Gardner Minshew, of, of a guy who's putting on addition for maybe a new regime, maybe not, but we're still at the fact that, Whatever Tom Coffin left behind still seems to be settling a little bit, um, and it's not quite over. The thing I'm referring to here is Albert Beer of Sports Illustrated uh, wrote an article today talking about how Tom Coughlin cut off negotiations with Yannick Ngakwe um, after he, Yannick Ngakwe and his camp didn't accept the first offer. What do you think about that, Stuart? Yeah, it, I think the real thing that we'll tell about that is is whether or not they're able to get a deal done here in the near future, or if this regime has even got the capability to go make a deal. I mean, are, are they allowed to do that now? I, mean, I know they're reporting directly to Shad Khan, and uh, I'm sure Shad Khan is well aware of the fact that uh, Jan would like to get paid and uh, and is deserving of getting paid based on what he's done on the field in the four years of his contract since being a draft pick out of Maryland. So I'd be curious to see if we're able to see on the outside any major shift uh, in that negotiation, which obviously has been on hold for the entirety of the season, but now that Tom Coughlin is gone, maybe they're able to, you know, get you get get a you know a nice thing that says, hey, the season, yes, it's not going well, but here's some good news at the end of the year. Jan's coming back. You know, why not? Why not make that a, a Christmas gift next week? No, without a doubt, and I think Jaguars fans would love to see it. I think Jaguars fans would would have loved to see it during training camp this year. 
you know, and, and I was very adamant about you, you should lock this dude up because he is that special. He's a guy that you drafted, um, and he's done everything the right way. You know, as far as his injury history, um, it's pretty much set aside from one game. It's not there. You know, he, he's, he, he remains healthy. He does things the right way. He's not a distraction off the field, doesn't get in trouble. To me, he's your prototypical pillar that you want to build a team around. And when these reports are coming out now saying that, you know, after the first offer was rejected, which, spoiler alert, in the terms of NFL contracts, happens all the time. You know, I mean, both sides are going to clash. That's the that's the point when we're talking millions and millions of dollars, right? Like, one side, the, the NFL player, he's got his price, and his team, they have their price. And then the GM and the, the, the vice president of operations, they have their price. And then the whole point of it is to meet in the middle. And to hear that, you know, the communications was just completely locked off, it's just, it, it's surprising to me. You know, now this doesn't really fall on Yannick Ngakwe himself, because obviously he has an agent to do that job for him, right? Like the last thing Yannick Ngakwe, I feel like, was worried about during training camp, during OTAs, was, all right, I have to call Tom Coffin now to try to get my new deal done. That was his agent's job. But my point is the fact that Tom Coughlin is not new to the game of NFL. And he understands how important pass rushers are. You know, crap, I mean, man, you, you, you won two Super Bowls with your defensive line. I was going to say, him maybe more than most would understand based on how he continued to draft at that position in high capital and get those guys to keep building that defensive line. Exactly. And, and you drafted a position when some people said, why would you draft another defensive end? Why would you draft another defensive lineman when there's other glaring needs for the New York Giants? But Tom Coughlin did it his way, and guess what? It worked out. You won two Super Bowls. Props to you for doing that. So to you know, so for me being a former player to sit here and think, you know what, they just ceased contact altogether. And now don't get me wrong, this is just one side. This is Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated reporting this. We don't know the other side, right? We don't know if this also falls on Yannick Ngakwe's camp. All I have to go off of is what I read, and what I've read is that Tom Coughlin was the one who cut off negotiations. But from that standpoint, when you do that, not only do you number one, you don't pay one of your best players in your team and one of your best leaders on the team, obviously. But then I feel like you hurt negotiations going forward, right? And the Jaguars have Yannick Ngakwe under contract this year, so you were fine there. You can always franchise tag him there if you want for the year, so you're going to be fine for at least another additional year if need be. But my big problem is going forward, after that franchise tag year, if that's truly a guy that you want in your locker room and your franchise, well, what is he going to think right now then when he's been playing his butt off once again this year? And then this was the big thing. He, he took a risk on himself, and so far it's paying off. He's, he has eight sacks, he's got a touchdown, and he's been stout in the run game. Everything you could ask for in Yannick Ngakwe. So going forward, you really have to ask ourselves, is Yannick Ngakwe even interested in signing with the Jaguars going forward now, even though Tom Coughlin is gone? And I think a lot of that will have to do with what changes, if any, do come in the offseason. And, you know, if you're a player, you're going to make that decision largely based on who your your coaching staff is going to be. Because at that point, you could treat him kind of like a free agent. I don't know if the NFLPA is going to warn him to sign with Jacksonville. I know that they sent out their letter. So we shall see. I think the only thing that Jan can do really right now is just continue to ball out, keep getting sacks. Uh, Obviously, he had a great game in Oakland. Uh, if you can follow that up, take down Matty Ice a couple times this weekend and then go after Jacoby Brissett and get a few more sacks. I mean, people talk about, okay, the season's over, blah, blah, blah. We're 5-9. and nine. The Jaguars aren't doing anything this year. Well, for every one of these players, there is something to play for, be it a spot even on the roster next year. Or if you're talking about Jan, I mean, there is an immense amount to play for 
when you're talking about contract negotiations and, and trying to prove his worth and continuing to play at that elite level because, yes, the the proof is in the pudding. He's been a great defensive end, especially on the pass rushing side. Well, he stepped up the, the run defending side this past game as well to try and prove a little bit more of that all-around good skill that these different general managers around the league are looking for. So if he can continue to put more of that great tape on film, then it's only going to benefit Jan, and and he'll have his choice of where he wants to go once he gets to that point, uh, assuming you know whatever happens with the franchise tag and, and then the next year, however that may go. So if he just keeps balling out, he sees who the Jaguars instill uh, in leadership here in Jacksonville, who Shad Khan picks to lead this team into the future, uh, then I think Jan is able to make that decision and decide what's going to be best for him moving forward. Uh, I apologize. I think we're having some video difficulties, so I'll have to restart that stream um, during the next segment. We got a cutout of you here, so we're good. Oh, then, then never mind, man. You don't even need me uh, at you know Rena's Pizza right now. We're all gravy. But uh, Stuart, I want to ask you a question here. Yes. All right, and, and I'm going I'm to put you through a scenario, um, and I want your honest reaction to this scenario. Okay. Well, I haven't heard it before, so this will be the first reaction and honest reaction to it. Yes. All right, cool. Thanks for uh, reassuring that. So there, there's going to be three options here, all right? Okay. And I, I want you to play GM and give me the best option, okay? Option A, this defensive end has five sacks, two forced fumbles, and has played in every game this year, okay? Okay. Option B, this defensive end has six sacks, one interception, three forced fumbles, and has missed one game this season, okay? All right. Option C, this person has eight sacks, one interception, three forced fumbles, and one touchdown, and he has also missed one game this season. Which guy are you taking? That's a good question. Um, obviously, if you're going on stats alone, you'd go with Bosa. Sorry, I kind of have a good idea of who has... Nope, you're actually way off Am here. I way off? Is so, that not Bosa, so, that last one? No, it's, it's not Bosa. So are, are we going A, B, or C? Okay, then you'd probably go with C because C's the one with the most stats. Okay, correct. So C is actually Yannick Ngakwe right now. Okay, Okay. there you go. And A and B, so A is Demarcus Lawrence and B is Frank Clark. What do all three of those guys have in common? During training camp, these were the three guys that were supposed uh -huh. to make those new contracts. And two of those guys in Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark got over a million dollars. And they really set the market this year at the pass rushing position. C, Yannick Ngakwe, in my opinion, and once again, the, the, the numbers came out a little bit of what he, supposedly he got offered. I don't know if those are the real numbers or not. We don't know what he got offered. One would assume that it wasn't around the $100 million, uh, mark, kind of like Lawrence got and Clark got. But it's interesting from the fact where if you would have put him at that market, if you would have put him in, in that price category of DeMarcus Lawrence, of Frank Clark, and paid him you know, maybe that $100 million contract that he's probably looking at right now because that's what the market dictates, if you would have paid him that deal, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, you'd be looking a lot smarter than the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys. But both of those teams might be playing in the playoffs, so you're not really looking that smart in the overall scheme of things. Okay, but is it smart to pay Demarcus Lawrence a hundred million dollars right now? No, of course not. I get what you're saying. Oh, there you you're, go. We're we're looking in in the you know the microcosm of this one position, these three guys. Uh, that yes, Jan 
would certainly outperform those other two if you were playing, paying that same amount of money right now. And it's one of those reasons why people really wanted to get this deal done before this year for Jan. You, yeah. you, you want him to be your guy. You don't want there to be any doubt about it. And I feel like the longer this goes, the more doubt it puts into it uh, to where you know you're giving him reasons to want to go to another place if he's if he's not you know not to say being kept happy but you know what i mean being you know properly rewarded for his pay and his effort on the field without a doubt you know and i guess that's just my biggest point going forward where you're gonna have to overpay sometimes right and that's just the way the nfl works one could argue that you overpaid for cj mosley this year on the new york jets okay they they took the top off of what um, a middle linebacker should be paid. Now, we'll see in the future if that play ends up paying off for them or not. Right now, probably not because he's been hurt this year, so we'll see it from that standpoint. But I guess my point is the fact that, yeah, the, the, the $100 million, you know, the, 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 the new like cap-setting price for a defensive end. If you paid that to Yannick this year, eight sacks, you probably want to see a little more from him. He still has two games to go. He can easily get to... Double digits. He's got a touchdown. Uh, he's got the interception. He's got a couple forced fumbles. I get that point. But you got to keep in mind what else you're paying for. And and you're paying for that guy in the locker room as well. You're paying for a guy who the players in that locker room seem to gravitate towards. You're paying for a guy who's not only a leader by example, but also is kind of that, that vocal leader that sometimes is lacking, it seems like. So to me, you're paying for all that. And at the end of the day, you're also paying for their appreciation to say, you know what? You came through, we drafted you, you've done everything by the book, um, we respect you, what you bring to this team, and here's your contract. So to me, you're paying a lot more than just eight sacks a year or ten sacks a year or a forced fumble here, a forced fumble there. You're paying for the, for the future of your franchise and how it pans out. And to be fair, if you want to compare Demarcus Lawrence, who you know got in a little trouble, and Frank Clark, who's been in trouble himself, those guys do not check all the boxes. For Yannick Ngakwe's case... That dude checks all the boxes. I can't find one thing wrong with him. And don't tell me, well, him and Dante Fowler last year got in a fight. Guess what? This is football. There's going to be fights. Deal with it. So from that perspective, if you can't find anything wrong with Ngakwe, if his performance on the field has been paying off, then why not reimburse him and compensate him like a guy who has been? I guess we'll find out. When we come back from ESPN 690, more on the Tom Coughlin front, more on the Jacksonville Jaguars front now. What do you do with the coaches? What do you do with the GM? Are you going to keep them? going to let him go we'll talk about that next when we come back on espn 690 and action sports jacks yeah i mean it got better though you know especially this year uh like i say after the talk we had the uh, about getting the money back and things like that and uh, he was kind of open openly coming to me and telling me you know if i have a problem or anything you know i always come to my office not gonna do it we're gonna talk so that's how our relationship got better though we are uh, getting into the holiday spirit here on ESPN 690. It's Action Sports Jacks Radio on ESPN 690. I'm Stuart Weber, momentarily filling in for Brent Martineau. He will return shortly and join our own Austin Lane, who's currently at Renner's Pizza, the Neptune Beach location uh, for today's show. And Austin, have you had any pizza yet? That's, the, I think, one of the biggest I have questions. not had any pizza. I'm trying to fight back the temptation right now just because I have to go train after this. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to get like a sandwich or something like that. I might sneak a slice of pizza as well. We'll see. Uh, but Brent's kind of putting me in a predicament here because, like I said, I have to train, but I'm also hungry and I'm also me. So we'll see if I can muster up some self-control or not. That's, Time will tell. that's messed up. 
I mean, I know, right? Keep going to these places with amazing food. Uh, yeah. You can grab a terrific slice, but not when you got to go train afterwards. I mean, I mean, realistically, I could go. You know, I mean, it's not. It's nothing to eat a piece of pizza and, and yeah. go train. My problem is though, since I'm here, I mean, and if I'm here, it's not going to just be one slice. You right. know why? Because exactly. the slices are good. So I'm be like, oh, this is good. I want to have another. Mm, number two, might as well make it number three, and then I'm going to gorge myself and then go train, and that's never a good thing for anybody. So we'll see what happens here. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, indeed. No pizza back here at the uh, studio. The comments you heard coming back into the break were from Leonard Fournette about his relationship with Tom Coughlin improving after their off-season talks. It's been well documented. Uh, Leonard Fournette and his uh, past issues that he's kind of had with this franchise just uh, from looking disinterested on the bench last year. We heard the story about that $99,000 fine to uh, the many other run-ins with he that he has had with his franchise, I think my funniest part that we haven't—I don't know if we played it yet—but uh, a, a reporter asked, uh, "So now that Tom Coughlin's gone, that means no fines, right?" And Leonard Fournette was like, "Yeah, we'll see." <laughs> and uh, everybody got a good chuckle out of that because, let's be honest, there there could be more fines in the future. You never oh, know. The, there's there's always fines, man. I, and it's like I talked about yesterday a little bit in terms of fines. I mean, most teams are pretty are pretty chill about it, I would say, <laughs> if that's a professional term. But the, m- most teams are very casual about it, let's just say. Um, even if it's kind of like your first offense, you're late to a meeting. I mean, I've seen times where I've seen rookies not going to, you know, not going to name any names or call anybody out, but I've seen rookies that have been late to the meetings um, on the road in the hotel right before the game, and they just kind of get a slap on the wrist. So I think most teams are pretty casual. Obviously, this Tom Coughlin example was above and beyond the, the normal, I would say. But, um, but yeah, you're still going to be fine sometimes if you forget your playbook. If you lose, if you lose your playbook, that's probably the biggest one. And, and, and that's every NFL team has that, obviously. Now it's not even a playbook anymore. It's more of like an iPad, I think, they use. And if you lose that iPad, man, we're, we're talking like seventy five grand i have had on some teams. So that's the last thing you want to do. What's the biggest fine you ever got for the NFL? So I, I never got fined once. Um, Not I once? Shared, no, I, I shared a story. Oh, I know, right? I, I shared a story yesterday where I should have got fined for arriving late to treatment. Um, I was about an hour and 30 minutes late, but thankfully uh, the head trainer, Mike Ryan, who I was super cool with, um, he, he was fine. He understood that I was coming off of a birthday party from the previous night, and um as I reeked of booze and probably looked a little hungover, so he was just like, "Man, I get it. Just go sit in the sauna a little bit, come back, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do the treatment part." So I never, I never got fined one time. Um, but I will say this though, I think I might have shared this, this story before as well. I have come close a couple of times too on the field, you know, because the NFL is all about the uniform policy, and it's just, it's a pretty strict kind of set of rules here. When we're talking about the uniform. And if you don't have like a certain amount of white showing in your in your socks, you could be fined. Um, if you don't have the right color of spat, you know, on your cleats, you could be fined. So the, the, there's a lot of reasons why someone could be fined, um, you know, during pregame and things like that. And what actually happens when you're on the field, when you're doing your pregame warmups, uh, there is an elected uniform official. Now I don't know if this guy's like an actual NFL ref or if he's just a guy that flunked out of college looking for a job. But basically what his job is to do is he goes down every guy on the roster and he makes a checklist of what guys are are not adhering to the uniform policy. 
then when we go in from you know the, the pregame warm-ups, we're sitting in the locker room, he'll actually come in and be like, hey, man, you have to pull your jersey down. Uh, hey, man, you have to change your socks. You have to do so-and-so. So before you, so you kind of get a little warning right before you go on the field, and then you become fined again. But I do know for a fact that Charles Woodson of the Green Bay Packers would be fined around five to $6,000 per game because he never showed any white in his socks. And that was by choice. It got to the point where I guess he just thought he had more swag, which is all green. So he, he never wore any white in his sock, and he got fined every single game because of it. But I guess when you're Charles Woodson, you're making Charles Woodson-type money, you really don't care. Yeah, he and I would differ on that, uh, as has been documented. I, I would not be willing to give up uh, any portion of my game check uh, for my socks looking hey, a certain color. who are you telling, man? I'm in the same boat as you as oh, well. Yeah. I like to keep all my money. So what about from your perspective? I mean, from from what you do, you know, you're you're, you're the camera guy. You're you're on TV and everything. I mean, can you guys get fined? I, obviously, I think if you like, if you say a curse word, you probably get fined, right? I don't think fined is how it would work for us because they know we don't make copious amounts of money. Uh, sure. They they do hand down suspensions if you do something really bad. Uh, I personally have not uh, received such suspensions for uh, poor decisions in in the workplace, uh, but they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, if need be, you will get disciplined and written up and all that kind of stuff, like any other job, I, I'd imagine. Sure. Uh, it's just if if you say, I always say this: you could say anything once, because after that, you might just get <laughs> fired and you can never say it again. So you can Fair say enough. anything once. <laughs> And then, you know, it's just a matter of saying it a second time. Probably wouldn't happen. I'm going to remember that when I'm doing the radio show, yeah. Like, I mean, you... you, you kind of like right now, as the camera just went out again, I kind of want to say something, but I'm going to keep it together. I'm going to be professional. Well, you're good. The trouble. audio's back, and we got your cutout up, so you're you're good to yeah. go. Uh, we cool. have the, the cardboard version of yeah. Austin Lane telling everyone to pay on. It's, it's fitting that that is still the thought bubble, as that was our, <laughs> our first thought of the show today. Yeah, apparently it's been my thought bubble since we got those signs back. It seemed like in training camp, and we haven't um, used the thought bubble very often on these. No, I, I well, I said that's going to stay on there until he gets paid. So well, yeah, I'm not sure. Go. I'm not sure if he gets franchise tagged. If that quote will you know come off, and then I'll think of something else or not. I'm not really sure where the franchise tag falls in line of Jan getting paid now. From the football player's perspective, obviously the franchise tag, you know, you, you take the average, I think, of the top five highest paid players at that position, and then it comes out to the, the price you make that year. So technically, Jan would be getting paid. But much more than his rookie being, deal has given him. Much more than his rookie deal, obviously. But would he be compensated fairly, and would it be kind of a form of disrespect if he was to get franchise tagged? Maybe. So we will see. But until that time, pay Jan is still on the sign. Still on the sign. I've noticed, by the way, your sign has pay Jan. Martinos doesn't have a, a thought bubble. I don't. I don't know why you're the only one who gets to talk in this equation. Um. Yeah, that's a good call. You know. Um. Probably because I'm more of like the smart aleck type. I guess maybe that's why I have a speech bubble there. Uh, maybe it was because when we, we used to have the whiteboard all the time and we incorporated ah, like my there you go. my. Uh, random thoughts and my random quotes and stuff like that. Maybe that's got something to do with it. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure why Brent doesn't have a, a speech bubble. But at the same time, I'm sure it would say, let's go Tiger or something like that. So who, who knows? What happened to the whiteboard, by the way, the the inspirational thoughts and messages that graced the show during the off-season yeah. of football when we didn't have much to talk well, about? Well, listen, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out here because one day they could be a sponsor. So I'm not going to call anybody out on their quality of whiteboard. Oh. <laughs> staples. Staples. But um, as far as that's concerned, 
concerned that the whiteboard uh it fell apart a little bit like there was like a big chunk taken out of it like it was like i guess like delaminating you would call it so there was that and then i also ran out of markers and truth uh spoiler alert and truth be told like you can go through a dry erase marker if you write every single day on that board you can go through a dry erase marker in about a week and a half to two weeks time so uh it started adding up a little bit i didn't have a sponsorship money and much like you i like keeping my money in my pocket so there you go a week and a half on a marker Oh yeah. Well, I, I had a lot to say. Uh, okay. Um, by the way, we have we have markers in the building, uh, which are provided to us. At, okay. Well, at, at free of cost. Hey man, didn't get that email. Still waiting for it. So you be sure to send me that email. You didn't get an email for the the uh, holiday party either, did you? No, uh, I might have. Truth be, <laughs> this is funny we're talking about. Uh, so. I got locked out of my email, and when I say locked out, I, it just means I forgot my password to my work email because I'll be honest with you, I, I never use it because I have no reason to. I, I have my Gmail account that I go off of. So anything, anyone in the office that's been sending stuff to my work email, I haven't looked at it in about three months. And you can't just like get a new account, supposedly. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll look into that. Uh, another thing we'll look into is... The Jacksonville Icemen, and it's funny you brought up the whiteboard because, of course, the the Icemen have their super fan submarine Mike and his whiteboard as well. And as we talk about the Icemen, we're actually going to bring on one of the players from the Icemen, a name that's very familiar to fans of Jacksonville's ECHL hockey team, Wacy Rabbit. Back on the team, he will join us on the show, Action Sports Jacks, on ESPN 690. That interview coming up next, right here on ESPN 690. Welcome back to Action Sports Shacks Radio on ESPN 690. Stuart Weber here. Austin Lane. Well, you see the cutout of Austin Lane, but he is currently... I think we're back, though. I think we're streaming again. We'll see. Uh, Well, on the video (laughs) feed, people are looking at the cutout, so... Yeah. uh, We'll get that video back up and running here before too long. Until then, a less animated or more animated version of you, depending on how you want to look at it, because obviously it's standing still, but... It's also literally animated. So anyhow, yeah, but uh, but but to be fair, it's probably more animated because I am at Rennes Pizza here at Neptune Beach. Um, decided to get a sub sandwich. Not going to dive into the pizza quite yet. So as far as like emotion and animation are concerned, I'm probably a little more animated here than I am back in the studio. Okay, good. We have you back on the screen for all that excitement. Of course, Brent Martineau Sweet. will be joining the show shortly. He is uh, finishing up a round of golf. I don't know exactly where he was playing. I know he will provide an update on uh, how that went whenever he jumps back into the show and joins you out there in Neptune Beach. At some point here in the near future, we're going to have uh, Wacy Rabbit from the Jacksonville Icemen joining us. Of course, the Icemen are in town this weekend and getting ready for some pretty big matchups. Of course, they have uh, one tonight against the Atlanta Gladiators at Veterans Memorial Arena. And then tomorrow night, they'll be taking on the South Carolina Stingrays also at home. So let's welcome it in right now, Wacy Rabbit, who is back with the Jacksonville Icemen. You may remember he led the team in scoring a year ago. Well, he's now back. Wacy, welcome back to Jacksonville. Uh, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Now, you have spent the last few months in Romania. What has that experience been like? <laughs> Uh, it was different. Um, a guy that I used to play hockey with and good friends, he's the GM now, and uh, he brought us to the city. It was a beautiful city. I mean, things just didn't work out there, so I'm just lucky enough to be back home in Jacksonville. 
Hey there, Wacy. Uh, Austin Lane here from Action Sports Jax. Uh, so, kind of reading about your history a little bit. You know, I mean, you played in Providence, you played in Milwaukee. Shout out to the Admirals. I actually grew up around there, went to some of those games. You played in Saskatoon, Cincinnati, all over Europe, Japan. So, a little bit about myself, man. I'm a former NFL player, and, you know, I played on four different teams. And going from team to team, it was pretty stressful, right? Because it, it's a new environment, it, it's a new culture, it's a new team, and new teammates, you got to learn their names and everything. But from your perspective, man, you've been on so many teams, so many countries, so many different kind of cultures. What has that been like? And do you ever kind of get sick and tired of going from place to place? Uh, well, the first part, obviously, I was chasing my NHL dream with uh, Providence, Milwaukee, and San Antonio. And then once I got, up to, got to Europe, uh, the, the dream was kind of gone. So for me, it was just kind of experiencing something new get to travel while I'm, while I'm able-bodied especially for for me to play hockey while doing it it was something that uh that I wanted to do and just stepping into a dressing room it, it showed me kind of get me out of my comfort zone obviously going to Japan where nobody speaks English uh in the city that I was in so just kind of getting my comfort zone just learning a different language like you said a new culture um it, it was something that, that that has actually helped me grow as a human and as a person so when I come back to Jacksonville the last couple of years I mean I just I think now that that I'm here, it's home, and it's nice like my family to know where I'm going to be for two years in a row. Um, like I said, stepping into dressing room now, just the guys are always asking me questions, and I have uh, I have some pretty cool stories. So I think the the younger guys kind of uh, uh, kind of they, they kind of enjoy hearing those stories. I think one of the cool stories for for you, Wacy, is uh, you were part of this team last year. Obviously, you, you led the team in scoring with all those goals, but you helped guide this team back to the playoffs and it was the first playoff hockey Jacksonville had seen in 20 years what what was that atmosphere like last year and how high are the hopes now that you're back to let, let's do this again and let's go a little further let's go win around in the playoffs this year yeah I mean from the first time I set we our first game in Jacksonville I think I was there for opening night um, it, it was crazy just the amount of support and then my second year and as the season went on we had a pretty good team and then playoffs it was, it was electric so for me to to Coming back to North America, it, I think Jacksonville was it was a no-brainer. And uh, just coming back, it's a different group. There's about four or five new guys or uh, returning guys on the team, so it is a different group. I know they're going through. Uh, I guess we're going through our, our our learning phases as the season goes on, and then January that's where you kind of figure out what type of team and your identity is. So um, it, it's all about the process for us, especially as you look at our league that there's new guys coming in and out every day. But I guess the, the core group that we, we have a, a mentality and I guess a mindset of just working and coming to work every day and so that our practices are, are just like our games. They're just as hard, if not, uh, if not harder, you know. So, Wacy, I grew up playing hockey a little bit. One of the biggest regrets I have that I didn't get to play in high school and beyond just because I had I played basketball then. But I still follow the game very closely and obviously in the NHL as well. And if people were to kind of put you in a category, that obviously they'd call you a goal scorer, man. I mean, you, you score all the goals. You had a great season last year. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a big pillar in, in, in the Iceman franchise here. But my question to you is with the, the way the game's going now, you know, and the, the St. Louis Blues are a prime example of this where – it's almost kind of like a resurgence now of the two-way forward. So do you actually prefer the term goal scorer, or would you rather be uh, referred to as, you know, that two-way type of player? Well, I mean, I was a big scorer coming out of junior, and I was drafted by the big bad Bruins, so they're, they're, they love their six-foot-two guys, and <laughs> um, I was, I'm was 5'9", so I didn't really fit that role. So, But for me to get that ice time, I had to play, learn to play away from the puck. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a big, had a big role, penalty killing. So for me, just to kind of become that chameleon and getting out of my comfort zone and 
just learning to play away from the puck, it, it's helped me. So I still love penalty killing. I block shots, but at the same time, I always had that uh, that skill to where if I need, if I was putting an opera given opportunity, I could score or at least create offense. So I think that helped me in my career. And obviously, I'm 33 years old and I'm still able to to contribute on teams. So that I think that helped me down the road. But and you look at the NHL now, it's all about speed. It's all about skill. And I mean. You, you the the some of the best players in the world only have the puck on their stick for thirty seconds. So what are you doing with when you're not when you're not out there? You got to learn to get the puck back. So I think you look at some of the some of the best players. You watch them away from the puck. They know how to get it back. They know how to put themselves in position so that they're good defensively. At the same time that when they do have it, they're off to the races. We're being joined by Wacy Rabbit of the Jacksonville Iceman. Just re-signed this week after. Uh, playing over in Romania for the past few months. This is a huge weekend for the Jacksonville Icemen. They are home tonight and tomorrow night and then off on the road for a seven-game roadie. So obviously the two home games are going to be huge to try and get as many points as possible. Wacy, uh, you're back with your guy, Jason Christie, the head coach. Uh, what is it like playing for him? He is obviously a, a legend in the ECHL circles. He's been in this league forever and you know holds all these records. Uh, what is it like playing for him? And, and jumping right back into a team that he leads. Uh, well, I think the transition is easy. I know his, I know his systems. I know his drills. I know what he expects out of his players. And that's one of the biggest things. As a player, you, you want to know exactly what the coach is expecting out of you. You don't want to be sitting there. Should I be scoring? Should I be hitting more? He tells you what exactly you want, what he wants out of you. And um, I mean, you're going to take for him if you work hard. He's going to give you every opportunity in the world, and that's just not just in games, like in practices and being around the rink and getting better. Because that's the biggest thing; it's a developmental league. So if you're if you he show if you show him that you're developing, then I think that he'll give you every opportunity. And for the older guys, he's he's great with us. He, he knows not to to push our buttons too much as long as we're we're pulling the line as well. Wasey, so this Saturday, and we've been talking about it on the show the whole week here. It's going to be the drive for ten thousand teddy bears. Uh, you don't really see teddy bears in hockey mixing too much, but for this case, it obviously works. Um, I know that they do this all around the league. Have you been a part of one of these events before? Yeah, every year since junior, there's been a, a the Christmas time that they'll throw the teddy bears on the ice for, for a charity or a hospital. So I think it's great, and I'm excited for tomorrow, and every guy wants to be that guy that, that scores, and I think everybody remembers that there's usually a big picture or something later on. So it's great. But just to, to get everybody involved, and especially with the kids that they're coming, they get to hold that teddy bear and rip it on the ice. And usually both teams are out uh, shoveling, helping pick up the bears. So at the end of the day, we're trying to we're trying to basically beat each other. But when those teddy bears come on, everybody kind of looks, and looks at each other and realizes that there is a bigger thing other than hockey, and we're trying to do that to help a good cause. How quickly are you able to to snap back into goal scoring mode once you get out there and and get back in with this group? Uh, I know it's it's kind of a, a shock to the system jumping back and forth, not only time zones but different teams. I know you said you're very familiar with Coach Christie, but uh, how quickly does that all gel for you when you go from one place to another? Um, I think for every player, it's a little bit different. For me, I I have my routine before games so that I know as long as I know what I'm doing and I know that what that I'm prepared, then I know that'll be an opportunity to give him the chance. If the puck's on my stick, it's it'll hopefully be a, a scoring opportunity. But I mean, coming into a new group, you just kind of you want to you want to work hard, and hopefully, I'm still able to to help with the with the goal scoring department and help our team win. So, 
Wacy here. I mean, if you go back to your career, I mean, we're talking about almost 15 years, I believe, now that you you know you've been a veteran, um, you know, playing playing hockey here. And uh, I guess at this point, two questions for you. Number one, I mean, being a, a former professional athlete myself, but like, how do you maintain your body in such a physical and demanding sport? You know, we always say that hockey players are probably some of the most uh, you know toughest professional athletes, if not the toughest professional athletes uh, in all of sports. And two, I guess, just what do you hope to accomplish through the rest of your career going forward? Um, well, obviously, uh, I'm not the biggest guy in the world in hockey, like, uh, like football and hockey is a big guy that's a high impact sport. So for me, I always uh, make sure that I'm, I'm well, I'm well conditioned. I'm always stretching. I'm, I'm very flexible. So as long as my muscles and my, uh, my groins are good, then I'm, then I'll be able to go <laughs> knock on wood here. But I mean, the last couple of years, like you, you play the game to win and every guy is chasing a championship. So that's one of my biggest things when I, before I retire that I would like another championship, um, obviously to bring one to Jackson will be huge. So hopefully we're able to do that down the road here, but we, like, I still got a lot of fight and a lot of game in me. So hopefully, uh, things go well. All right. I will leave you with this. Austin Lane is a two sport guy. Of course, he played professional football, now a professional MMA fighter. And so is Wacy Rabbit. You are a professional hockey player, but you also have a, a strong family history and skills in the rodeo arena. You want to talk about that a little bit? I, I know we don't get too much rodeo talk <laughs> here in uh, here in Jacksonville, but it, it's something that once your hockey career is done, you're going to dive a little more into, correct? Yeah, my whole family rodeos, my grandparents to my parents. Um, I was named after actually a professional cowboy. His name's Wacy Kathy. He's a pro bull rider. And my middle name is Coleman, so I was named after Mel Coleman. And he was a professional saddle bronc rider. So the last couple of years, uh, myself and my dad just kind of been working around the, the horses, been roping and team roping. Um, once I retire, I'll be able to hopefully I'll start uh, calf roping and a little bit more physical. I won't get into the bull riding. I mean, like I'm way too old and heavy for that now. But <laughs> but just being around being around the horses the last couple of years, getting back to it, um, it, it's such a therapeutic thing. And it's just like any athlete or person that does sports that once you're in there it just gets your mind away from everything and it's it's become a become like a i guess a hobby and a passion of mine other than hockey so it's it's nice that i I get to look forward to that after my career very cool so austin you know you you see these different sports maybe you should have gone something a little different from football you know kind of like hockey (laughs) to rodeo instead you just go from hitting people to (laughs) i don't know hitting people well, to be fair, man, if you're a professional bull rider, that's that's pretty rough in itself. And I actually come from Murray State, where the the bull riding and the rodeo teams are like you know scholarship accredited programs. So I could have had my opportunity, but even I think that's way too crazy. I mean, I, I fight people in the cage, but bull riding, man, that's too crazy for me. All right. Well, for the time yeah. being, folks can go see Wacy continue the hockey part of his career. The Jacksonville Icemen home tonight against Atlanta in a big matchup against the Gladiators. Wacy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be back. All right. He is back in Jacksonville. So, Austin, do we need to get a, a little rodeo team going? We could do some pairs, uh, wrangling and all that that jazz. I, so, I wish I had the terms better. I, no, I you're should. okay. I should. I covered, totally, I, it totally sounds like you know what you're talking about. I covered about. rodeo for two years in my first job, and yet here I am. Okay. No, like, uh, I'll be honest, man. The going to college radio shows were actually pretty cool because it's like I said, I mean, they ride the bulls, they do everything. So it was pretty cool, like, being on campus and going to watch that. Um, it's funny, Kuz and I, I think, had this conversation earlier during the week about if I'd ever ride a bull. 
and I definitely would. I have, I have no problem. Like, I think I would sign up for that, pending I can wear the proper, like, I'd probably wear a helmet, right? Like, the, uh, the, the hockey helmet I think they wear, and, like, the chest protector. If I could do that, I'd probably sign up for riding a bull. But, like, riding horses, man, just freaks me out. Like, I do not like horses, and you will probably never get me on a horse. I just do not trust those animals. But you Wait, do a bull? Well, because, hey, if a bull, I know it's going to happen, all right? Okay. I'm going to try to ride it for whatever, seven, eight seconds, and then I'm going to go flying yeah. off. Eight, and then I'm going to go flying off, okay? And the, the whole point is I'm going to fall on the ground, um, hopefully not get too hurt, and then run. I understand that point. The horses, though, it's like you have to have this giant connection. You have to mind meld with them. Like, all right, easy, boy. Like, I'm your friend. I'm like your Avatar? Friend. Like Avatar. I've never seen Avatar, but I heard uh, really? decent thing. No, I guess you have to be the Avatar. Brent Martineau of the show right now. Well, I know. I, I just heard Avatar was a lot like uh, Pocahontas, so I never got around to it. But I never saw horses, Pocahontas, so there, well, you, there go. you go. Well, it's, it's a great story. You should check it out sometime. You, probably right. learn a you lot. should check out Avatar. You might learn a lot. I'm, I'm all set. I already saw Pocahontas. But getting back <laughs> to the point of horses, though, so it's just, yeah, they're, they're way too big of animals, okay. way too much trust involved, and I don't trust uh, a lot of animals that are bigger than me, horses being one of them. All right, well, two weeks from tomorrow night, by the way, the uh, PBR, the Pro Bull Riders Tour, their Velocity Tour is coming to Jacksonville. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Uh, sign me up. Let's go. Get me on a bull. We might have to see what we can do about that. I feel like they have, they'd have to do a lot of waivers for that, but at the very least, maybe we could do some mutton busting. No idea what that is. Uh, Something with cows, obviously. Uh, sheep. Baby cows? The sheep. Oh, sheep? Okay, yeah. I'm way off. Sorry. That's okay. The uh, mutton busting is my favorite event of the rodeo. Essentially what they do is they put all this armor and padding on like six-year-old kids, strap them on the back of a sheep, and then they just hold on for dear life as that thing goes running across the arena. So here's what we're going to do. Because keep in mind, I do jujitsu. Yes. So I want a full-grown sheep at this PBR event. Okay. And I'm going to put it in a head and arm choke. And don't worry, when it taps, I'll let go. But I will display some of my MMA skills on the sheep. How's that sound? I feel like the show has taken a serious turn, and I like it. But How do you think the people in Brenna's Pizza are feeling right now? It's supposed I, to be a sports show, and I'm talking about choking out sheep. And they're only hearing one side of the conversation, which just makes it ten times better. All right, right we're going to take a quick break here on Action Sports Shacks Radio on ESPN 690. When we come back, we'll go back to the Jaguars discussion. Of course, well, uh, that, we also got a special guest coming oh. up too in the four o'clock hour. Is that right? We have uh, part of the tag team all elite wrestling champions, yeah. Scorpio Sky will be joining us in the 4 o'clock hour as well. So if you're a wrestling fan, not going to want to miss that one. Good stuff. That's coming up next on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690. If you're watching our stream right now, you can see my cutout at the studio. But I am actually at Rena's Pizza right now at Neptune Beach. Uh, haven't had my sandwich yet, but looking mighty forward to it. Still trying to hold off the urge to have all the slices of pizza before I go train tonight. We'll see how that pans out. But if you're around there, be sure to stop by. Uh, really great food here. I don't have to tell anybody. I'm sure you guys have heard of it before. But uh, really great thing going on here at Rena's Pizza. My co-host, Brent Martineau, is on the golf course right now, hopefully finishing up pretty soon. And he will be joining us momentarily. Uh, thank you to, to our, our partner here in Action Sports, Jax, uh, Stuart Weber, for kind of filling in the first hour and everything. But since my co-host is on the golf course right now, and I kind of have the keys to the show, okay, 
um, I figured I'd drive it into my lane and things that I want to talk about. And since we haven't talked about wrestling in a while, I figured I'd put out the bat signal to somebody and see if anybody wanted to come talk on the show a little bit about wrestling, more specifically a little All Elite Wrestling. Uh, and with that being said, I heard back from somebody, and we're glad to have him on the show. It's kind of a last-minute thing, and I appreciate him coming on. We are joined by uh, one part of the Tag Team Champions of All Elite Wrestling and member of SCU, Scorpio Skyman. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. So, well, I mean, first let's start off with the big news here. January 1st, New Year's Day, All Eight Wrestling is going to make the return trip to Jacksonville um, after the much-celebrated fight for the Fallen. Uh, Scorpio, I guess, w- what can fans expect not only from you and SCU, but also the, the event in general? Well, first off, I just want to say I'm really excited to get back to Jacksonville. There's a certain energy that uh, is there that the fans feel and us, the wrestlers and performers on the show, all feel. That's the home, you know, broadcasting from Daly's Place. It's it's always a really exciting time to be around uh, that environment and, the you know, with the team and everything. So uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Um, it's going to be the first show of the year, um, and they've got a stacked card. We're going to deliver dynamite. <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> no pun intended, obviously. So, you know, one of the one of the cool things about wrestling and why I'm such a big fan of it for many reasons, but one of the reasons being that in professional wrestling, sometimes it's the most random things that can get over, right? And obviously with you guys having your history with being the elite and everything, guys got to kind of get a glimpse of your personalities a little bit, that, you know, this is the worst town or this is the worst city. And when you're talking about Jacksonville, I mean, what what are your true thoughts, number one, uh, about Jacksonville? And obviously be careful because this is Tony Khan's town right now. But also, what were your thoughts about Fight for the Fallen as well, where the venue where you guys wrestled at, it was different, you know? And Tony Khan even came out and said he, he drew inspiration from South Park. So what was it like? Obviously, wrestling in the summer is probably a little warm, but tell us about your experience here in Jacksonville a little bit. Well, first, yeah, it was extremely warm. I mean, I was just <laughs> dripping sweat all day. Fortunately, my match was one of the last ones of the night, so I got to go on once it got you know a little darker because we started during the day. And uh, just being backstage, I was watching the matches thinking, I don't know how these guys are performing at this level because it is so hot and the fans too and give the fans credit they were they were awesome they never lost their energy from the first match all the way until the last one they kept it up even though they were dripping as well it was a lot of fun uh, as far as jacksonville goes you know i i go around town to town all the time and i say that uh you know things are my my the worst town i've ever been in but jacksonville yeah. i have to say is one of my favorite worst towns to visit uh in the sense <laughs> of again like i said there's so much energy uh, there's so much uh, just just electricity that is going through that place, and that venue is so different. It's it's different from every arena that we've been to, and and that sort of thing. Things kind of tend to blend together. We're in like week 12 of TV now. Uh, you know, I've, a lot of times I don't really know the difference between Philadelphia and Texas and all these places we're going, but uh, Jacksonville definitely stands out. It's a different environment. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the old WCW broadcast, uh, but I love it. Joined by All Elite Wrestling, Scorpio Sky, member of SCU and also a tag team champion. So, Scorpio, you know, I mean, Strong Style is big in wrestling, and you've been called before, you know, the, the, the Style Strong, really the king of Style Strong, we'll say, because you're a very fashionable guy. You're also a sneakerhead, and one of my favorite moments from you so far, 
you know, watching you every single week on TV is the fact that when you were wrestling the best friends, uh, I believe it was Chuck E.T. took off one of your shoes and proceeded to throw it in the crowd. And then you just decided to wrestle on with, with one shoe on, one shoe off, and one sock, basically. Well, then you decided to take the other shoe off and throw it to the crowd, and somehow, miraculously, that crowd member threw the shoe back in the ring and landed right by your feet. You couldn't have scripted it if you even tried. But my, my question to you is, I mean, was there any planning in that? And number two, what is it like wrestling just in socks? It can't be that easy. Uh, you know, I... Got, I got my shoe taken off and it was tossed out and I was like, and I thought to myself, man, I actually really like these sneakers too. They're they're my comfortable <laughs> travel sneakers. I wear them literally all the time, every day, on every trip. Uh, and so I, I tried to work it, make it work with one shoe, but you're kind of like off balance and you're you're slipping. And then so I just thought to myself, I was like, let me just try it without. You know, I got kind of worked up in the moment. To be honest with you, as I hit my dive. And I rolled back in the ring, and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to chuck this other one out. And I thought to myself, well, there there goes that one. Uh, I actually, again, really <laughs> like these shoes, and I guess I'll never see them again. But miraculously, one of them got thrown back in the ring, and the other one was thrown onto the stage. So I got both shoes back. I'm actually wearing them right now. Believe it or not, it's my first time wearing them since that match. And uh, it, it's pretty amazing, but... Um, Wrestling in socks is not something I would recommend. You know, I always looked at guys like, uh, you know, like Matt Riddle that wrestled barefoot, and I think to myself, like, how the hell did they even do that? It's insane. And, and But wrestling in socks is even worse because it's, it's slippery. And I actually heard uh, Nick Jackson shouted. Uh, I, I found out later that Nick Jackson shouted from the back, tell him to take your socks off because he was afraid I was going to slip. But uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. The fans got into it. It created a moment. So what more can you ask for? Speaking of those moments, you know, I mean, you're a guy who spent, I think, probably 15 plus years right now in the business, you know, and obviously like any great champion, you've had ups, you've had downs, but you've endured all those things, right? And I guess my question to you is at what point of your career, um, whether it's with All Elite Wrestling or some other, you know, point in your career, where you just kind of thought to yourself, man, you know, like everything that I've been through, all the hard work that I put in, this moment right here is where it all paid off. You know, uh, it's kind of come in stages uh, because, you know, a couple of years ago I was basically ready to shut it down. Things weren't really working out for me. And I just thought, okay, maybe this business isn't for me. Uh, and then, uh, you know, some circumstances happened, and I thought to myself, I'm going to give, give it one last shot. And I kind of felt like I was stepping up to the plate with two strikes and two outs, and I thought, okay, well, let's just see what happens on this last swing. And fortunately, it worked out. I ended up uh, first creating a little bit of a buzz on the Internet, uh, you know, on the indies that I hadn't had for a while, and that led to, getting to Ring of Honor, which was a huge opportunity, and that was when I was really able to re-link uh, up with the Young Bucks and Frankie and Christopher Daniels. And then SCU getting over was another big stage. Uh, All In was a big moment, which we, which took place last year in Chicago. And then ultimately, you know, signing with All Elite Wrestling was a big thing for me because it was like, okay, uh, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how long this is going to last. I feel like it's going to work out, but uh, I'm going to, again, give it all I have and and try to make something out of this. And here we are a year into the company and the growth that we've had and the energy that we still carry from the fans. Uh, now I can kind of look and, and say, yeah, I feel like I've made it. But at the same time, it's weird. I don't feel, I don't, you know, you always, maybe no one does, 
you know, but you never, I, I always thought when I did make it, I'd feel like, all right, I made it. But now I've got everyone telling me, hey, you made it, you made it. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't really feel any different. You know, <laughs> I'm not living in a mansion or anything, but uh, it's just a, a continued hustle. But I think that is part of my my ambition in the sense of I'm, I'm honestly, I'm always hungry. I'm never satisfied. And no matter how well I do, I'm always like, okay, no, I need more. I need more. I, I'm, I don't want to look backwards. I always want to look forward and get to the next level. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So. That's awesome, man. It almost sounds like you kind of have that fighter's mentality, you know. And speaking of fighter's mentality, well, a little bit about me quick. So I actually I, I played in the NFL for five years, and after that, then I decided to take my uh, turn at mixed martial arts. So now I'm a pro- professional cage fighter, and you are also uh, an MMA fighter as well. Um, so, and obviously anybody that, that steps in the cage, I have a huge amount of respect for. Anybody that steps in a wrestling ring, I have respect for too as well. Um, I guess my question to you is why, why did you choose the road to wrestling over the road to MMA? And would you ever be considering, you know, maybe down the line a little bit? Because I think, you know, Tony would be a guy that's into it, uh, of, you know, kind of maybe pursuing that MMA career a little more. Yeah, you know, um, like, well, pro wrestling was my, my first love. Uh, mainly, you know, MMA really wasn't a thing back in, you know, as, as I, when I'm a little kid in the 80s. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it was, but it really wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, national or anything like that by any means. You know, I obviously always grew up loving, you know, martial arts movies and that sort of thing, but pro wrestling was my first love. Pro wrestling is what I really, really wanted to do. But I can remember watching UFC with my older brother back in, gosh, it had to be like 94 or 95 or something when it was like on pay-per-view only and thinking to myself, as crazy as it sounds for a little kid to think, I'd love to do this one day. Um, and then, you know, obviously I jumped into pro wrestling. I, I went after that for a number of years because that was my main concern. And then once I got to one point, I actually, what really started was I had an injury and I basically had to quit wrestling for a little while and, and I didn't think I was ever going to come back. And one of the big things that stood out to me while I had that injury was, man, I never got a chance to fight. And that was something that was kind of on my bucket, something I was always wanted to do. I, said, I never got a chance to fight. And then, fortunately, I healed up and I returned to wrestling. But then at the same time, I thought, okay, I still want to fight. So I started training. Uh, I linked up with a good coach, and I had a good team around me. And then eventually, uh, I just kind of on the whim was just like, Hey, I want to fight. And hey, you know, show up and do the smoker this weekend. Okay, cool, I'll do it. And uh, you know, one of those things where it's like you just show up, you weigh in, you don't know who you're fighting, you don't know what his experience level is, you don't know anything. Fortunately, I was able to get in and win it. Uh, and then it was probably another year to two years before I started fighting again. And that's kind of when I took it a little bit more serious. I got in camo, and it was like real full on like camp and and signing bout agreements and and then i end up having three more fights after that and it's something i just love and you know i'm sure this is something that you can um empathize with is like you get this itch and i still you know i haven't fought in almost five years but i still get the itch whether it be watching a big fight on tv or if i go to training one day you know which i don't get a chance to do a lot these days but if i go to training and i i have a good day or i have a bad day or I just hang out with some of my friends that are fighters, or I end up cornering someone that's fighting. I still get that itch of like, damn man, yeah, I, I would love to uh, 
to be able to do this again. And uh, it would have to be the right opportunity at, or, or the right situation at this point because all my other fights, I did it for free. I did it literally just because I loved it. And now I'm kind of at a, a little bit of a higher level. You know, I'm kind of – my profile has, has gotten higher. So uh, I don't know if I'd really want to step in and fight for free <laughs> again. Sure. It'd have to be the right situation. It'd have to make sense. It had to be, um, you know, in the right place. Uh, but I do, I love the sport so much. I still follow it as well as boxing. Uh, and I also have so much respect for anybody that does it because I know how hard it is. And just not only physically, but the mental and emotional things that you go through getting ready for a fight that people don't realize. Uh, it's, it's one of the most amazing experiences that you can do. Well, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice, but I'm sure you already know it. So I actually, I did an interview where I called in to some guys at WrestlingInc.com, you know, and they asked me if I could fight anybody, who would it be? And I said, I, I honestly don't care. I'm willing to fight anybody that it takes. And then they said, what about Brock Lesnar? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And that went from that conversation to all of a sudden on Twitter, Austin Lane calls out Brock Lesnar, wants to fight him. So, like, obviously, they're trying to hype it up from their side. So I guess my only piece of advice to you is, you know, be, be careful who you say you want to fight, even though you, you probably don't even want to say anything, but, you know, people obviously turn those words a little bit. Um, so, so I guess my follow-up question to your, your mm -hmm. MMA career and everything. And, you know, I've always said on this show that MMA, even more than football, playing in front of thousands of people, MMA to me, it's like the ultimate adrenaline rush, you know? And you do a sport too right now in professional wrestling where I'm sure it's a big adrenaline rush as well. But from your perspective, since you've done both, Number one, when you're walking to the ring, do you get more of the rush going to the cage or going to the ring to wrestle? And number two, when it's all said and done and when the fight's over, when the match is over and you're in the locker room, which one kind of gives you that more uh, big, of a, big of a rush as well? Ah, it's crazy. You know, it's similar but different. Um, you know, going back to, like, let's talk about MMA in the sense of everything that you have leading up to it. And, and, and I'm, maybe I don't go through the same thing that everyone else did. Uh, but for me, leading up to the fight, whether it's good days or bad days, or some days you feel really confident, like, oh, man, everything's connecting, everything's feeling good, my timing's right, I feel strong, I'm going to beat this guy. And then there's some days maybe you have a bad day in the gym, or maybe your just mind kind of gets to you and you think to yourself, I'm not ready, what am I doing? Um, you know, I don't belong in the cage with these guys. I, you know, what am you know, it's just a, it's a big spectrum of emotions and then on fight day it's even worse because <laughs> of course <laughs> as it gets closer and closer to the fight especially when you're making that ring walk you're just like you're just you know you're you're kind of like your heart is just pounding and really for me all i want to do is get in there and have a punch thrown at me because once i once that happens once like the the, the fight actually starts i know i can kind of zero in and it's not thinking about the fight. And, you know, I used to study the mental aspect of it a lot while getting ready for fights. And I think it was like Rashad Evans that said, when you're, when you're going into a fight, you're not really worried about, like, getting hurt or, or you know, actually, you know, getting knocked out or maybe getting knocked out. You're, worried, you're more worried about what might happen than the actual physical aspect of it. You're like, oh, I don't want to get embarrassed and knocked out in front of my friends, or like, I don't want to get tapped out immediately if, as soon as the fight happens. You're just worried about what might happen, but you kind of just have to accept it and go into it and, and, and just say, F it. It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, you're, you can't control it. The only thing you can do is go out and, and 
prepare yourself as best you can and then go into the cage and do what you do, and the result's going to be the result. So once you go through all of those emotions and the fight is over, it's an extreme high if you win, or sometimes it's a little bit of a low if you or if you lose. But sometimes, you know, it could be in the middle, you know. Sometimes it's just like, hell yeah, I, I did that. I was fun. I had a great time. You know, I only lost one fight, and uh, I felt like I, I beat myself more than the uh, the other guy beating me. So I was extremely disappointed in myself. But it, after that disappointment wore off, I still was able to look back and say, man, that was a lot of fun. And as far as pro wrestling goes, you're more nervous in a different way, uh, but similar in the sense of what could happen. If I go to climb on this rope and I trip, uh, you know, it, I'm going to look like an idiot. But at the same time, you know you can work your way out of it because you're a professional. So uh, it's similar in the sense of you're worried about what might happen, but it's different in the sense of, like, you know, in pro wrestling, you know you can control the situation. If you mess up, you can recover, and you know there, there's somebody that's out there to help you recover. And MMA, if you mess up, that guy's not trying to help you. <laughs> He's trying to take full advantage of that mess up and put you out. And so that's what's kind of similar and different to it. It's, it's, it's crazy. I think of pro wrestling and MMA as cousins. Because anybody that knows a lot about both of them, there's, there's very, they're very similar but very different at the same time. Very well put. We're joined by Scorpio Sky, tag team champion from All Elite Wrestling and member of SCU. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. We've got a couple more questions real quick, if that's cool with you. Uh, of course. Is, is that cool? You get some more time quick? I know we're probably taking you over the hour here, but. No, we're good, man. We're good. Uh, we can talk uh, We can talk as long as you want. And actually, you know, it's funny uh, when you brought up the, the, the Brock Lesnar situation, because I had a similar thing years back where someone had asked me, and this was right when CM Punk was going to fight, and, or had announced <laughs> that he was going to fight. And sure. I was fighting at the time. And someone asked me, they said, oh, man, like, you know, would you fight CM Punk? That'd be great. Like, two pro wrestlers turned MMA fighters. I said, absolutely. I'd love to fight him. Yeah, and of course I'd fight him. And then next thing you know, it was all these reports, like, Scorpio Sky calls out CM Punk. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> so the exact same that thing happened to you. It's so funny, too, because CM Punk's actually a really good friend of the show. Um, I actually met him when I played for the Bears, and we kind of shook up a friendship a little bit. So I always talk to him every once in a while. So, man, that is too funny. Uh, you're also an L.A. Lakers fan. And uh, I'm from Wisconsin, grew up a Milwaukee Bucks fan. Did you watch the game last night? Did you watch it or not? Scorpio, did you watch the game last night or not? I, I hate you for this. <laughs> I did watch the game last night. It was embarrassing, man. Oh, I don't. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't need to say it, but they are so real. And Giannis is having his best season. The guy is unbelievable. Giannis is just. I mean, he, they're calling him the best player in the world for a reason. Um, yeah, there was one point where he took. He went right into LeBron yesterday and, and put LeBron on his back and like dunked. And I just said, "Oh my." God, this is embarrassing. But that being said, uh, I think it could be different if we meet in the finals, and, and I think that is a very strong possibility, and that would be a lot of fun. Oh, without a doubt, man. And I'm, I'm honestly surprised just at the chemistry so far of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, man. They've really gelled and meshed well together, and obviously the Lakers coming out of the West right now are going to be a tough opponent and may make it to the NBA championship or the NBA finals. We'll see. Uh, so a few more questions for you. So I was in Las Vegas for – Double or nothing, okay? And I thought a cool moment that doesn't get a, get talked a lot about with you guys with SCU is the fact that you guys 
took on the Stronghearts, who are huge in Japan, and not necessarily maybe the biggest in the States at the time. But you kind of helped showcase their skills and showcase them to the, to the world of the professional wrestling people in the United States, right? And you kind of put them on the map. So what was that like to do, number one, because obviously you have history in Japan, but number two as well, then when we go forward, your feud with Chris Jericho, whether it was the mic skills back and forth or your match for the All Elite Wrestling Championship, what was that like to kind of have Chris Jericho then introduce you to the world, you know, maybe the casual wrestling fan that wasn't familiar with SCU, what was it like to have Chris Jericho kind of, you know, put you in the new echelon as well? Well, you know, as far as like the Stronghearts go, I absolutely love that match. Doing six-man tags in general with Frankie and Chris is always so much fun. We've we've clicked so well, and and you know we can kind of do it in our sleep now. It's just it's second nature, and and it's a lot of fun. It's something different in the sense of, uh, you know, there are other six-man duos out there, but we're kind of like you know on that level. I think of the way the Shield was and the New Day, where it's like. It's not just a couple of guys or three guys, I should say, thrown together. Like we're an actual unit. And uh, I was a huge fan of Shima um, before I started wrestling. We were watching like Torimon and Dragon Gate, and I had never worked him before. And so I was excited for that. And uh, T Hawk and Lindemann, I had never faced either. But those guys are so good. And so uh, to open up the pay-per-view against them and kind of introduce them to the All Elite Wrestling fan base and whoever else was watching, I think was was awesome and, and, and a definite good way to open the pay-per-view. And it's one of my favorite matches we've had this year. As far as Jericho goes, again, someone I grew up watching, I dressed up like Chris Jericho for Halloween in high school, <laughs> you know, conspiracy victim sign and all. And, um you know, the match, uh, the matches, we had the tag match where him and I didn't do a ton, but uh, we had some finishing sequences that were fun, and uh, and then our singles match, which was really fun. Uh, but for me, what stood out the most was the face-to-face mic work. Of course. Um, because Chris Jericho is one of the best talkers ever in wrestling, and I'm not really known for being a talker. So I was go- I was a little nervous going into it because – it's like okay, I mean, how am I? I'm supposed to go word for word with this guy, and he's he's you know, hey, would you like to go one on one with Michael Jordan? Well, of course I would, but you know, I'm not going to feel a little uncomfortable. It's <laughs> pretty know, like, intimidating. Yeah, like, yeah, it's pretty intimidating, exactly. But it came out so well. He's so easy to play off of. Uh, the crowd was right there with every word we had, and I think we created one of those like moments where you talk people into the building and create interest in the match and. Uh, coming out of that, now it's like, oh, wow, Scorpio's guy can talk. He's not just the guy that can get in there and, and work, which, you know, I feel like hopefully most people know. Uh, but now they know that I, I can talk a little bit, too. So uh, that was a, an awesome three-week program. I never thought that I'd be staring across the ring at Chris Jericho, man. So that was just a, a, a big, like, moment in my career that I never saw coming, but I'll never forget. January 1st, New Year's Day, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite will be in Jacksonville. Tickets are still on sale. Come check out Scorpio Sky. Uh, you know, have the tag team champions and also check out SCU as well. Uh, Scorpio, we're probably going to see you there, man. So it's good to hear from you. Thank you for calling on the show. And it's an open door policy, man. Whenever you want to come chat about wrestling or fighting or maybe we could talk about the Bucks and the Lakers going forward here in the finals. Uh, but thanks for coming <laughs> on the show today. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Hopefully I'll get to meet you uh, in Jacksonville, and good luck with everything going forward. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, that was Scorpio Sky of SCU. Very cool dude. Obviously, being a former MMA fighter himself, got a lot of respect for that man. 
And uh, he's very talented in the wrestling ring as well. When we come back, I think Brett Martineau is going to join us here. Going to get back on track with some Jaguars topics. And I guess going forward now, I mean, how safe are Doug, uh, Doug Marone here and Dave Caldwell? Are they safe? Little safe? Big time safe? We'll talk about it next on ESPN 69. Some Christmas tunes. I like it. Yeah. Is this one in your top ten? No. No? No. Rock on the Christmas tree? Dude, this no. is Home Alone right here, though, man. It is Home Alone. I know, right? Yeah, I like Home Alone. Yeah. I'm a big Home Alone guy. Oh, me too. Who are you telling? Well, here's the, here's the real question, though, Brent. And honestly, you can go either way with it, I one. feel like. Yeah? At, without a doubt. Yeah? Two has a chance. Yeah. But after that, forget it. Like, oh, no, I mean, My yeah, kids actually obviously. say they like two better, and See? they even like three. Oh, Brent. Three? I know. I mean, let's not even talk about that. But, uh, see, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I think two just, you know, the, the trap's more elaborate because I'm, I'm, I'm a big trap guy, you know what I'm yeah, saying? So the yeah. trap's more elaborate. But it is hard, man. One or two are just so fantastic. It is. Uh, Three we don't talk about. It's pretty good. I like yeah. uh, I like Home Alone. I haven't caught it. In fact, the other day at the hotel in uh, Oakland mm-hmm. uh, when we were out there, Home Alone was on. I saw it, but I was like, Tiger's playing, man, the President's Cup. Sorry. <laughs> Priorities. Sorry, man. I can't. Priorities. Sorry, Home Alone. I've seen you a lot. <laughs> Well, I've previously seen Tiger Woods a lot too. <laughs> I have, but uh, that I can always go back and see Home Alone. Tiger, yeah. not so much. Yeah. Brent Martin, Austin Lane here at Rena's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Thanks for hanging around with us. Uh, good work by Austin. Uh, I had a charity uh, golf event I was at today. We do this Christmas Cup mm-hmm. and uh, played two years in a row now. So I was going to take the day off today and play in that because I know it's a long day. But then we we're going to do the show right here, and we actually played at Atlantic Beach Country Club, so I'm five minutes away. Convenient. So I uh, figured, uh, hey, jump on. It's actually our last show together before Christmas, and yeah. we only really have one more before the new year. Because of the way the holidays fall this year, we're going to do a show Monday, but uh, Austin's headed out to Wisconsin for the holidays. And then uh, we'll be off on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the remainder of the week, unless something crazy goes on. Uh, but we don't anticipate that. With the Jags out of the playoff race and with uh, we don't anticipate any firings, and there's so many bowl games that will carry on ESPN 690. So we're just going to do a show Monday coming off the Jags game on Sunday, and then we'll do another show on Monday the 30th. Now, I thought that show would be, holy cow, look out, everybody gone, all this stuff happening. Sure. And now I'm starting to think twice about if there will be as much <laughs> moving and shaking. Uh, yeah. You know, we told everybody yesterday on the program, and it's starting to pick up a lot more speed, uh, steam. I think people are talking about it, not just nationally, but also locally, that it really could be Marone and Caldwell back in Jacksonville. And that would make for a somewhat slower Monday after the season than many folks anticipated around here because I thought it could be a clean sweep. I still have not ruled that out, by the way. I don't think this is a done deal. I'm just telling you what I told you yesterday, and I said it again last night on TV, that I think there's some momentum for... Uh, this organization to keep uh, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. If you are uh, watching, by the way, on our video feeds, we're having a heck of a time uh, with some of our equipment here. I think it's a bad cable, so bear with us. You might have to see our uh, caricatures again, the, the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be a whole lot of pay on, so yeah, brace yourselves. That's the, uh, that's the backup today, but uh, appreciate hanging with us on that side. I know you don't sit there and stare and watch the video feed the entire time anyway, so you can still listen on Twitter, yeah. Facebook, and YouTube. And Coos put up the nice Christmas lights, too. Oh, so I didn't, I'm uh, just seeing that right now. That's a nice little touch yeah, right there. see that? You just seeing that now. Well, I don't watch myself when I do the radio oh, show. See, I, I'm used to that. That's, I've been doing oh, that yeah. for 20 years watching I myself. I kind of... 
Fair enough. Sometimes well, enjoy it. I, I think you know how I feel about it. I'm still pretty stressed <laughs> out about it. So uh, whenever an opportunity not to watch myself, I take full advantage of it, Brett. Uh, hey, how was uh, uh, Wacy Rabbit? Uh, you yeah. Know, you got in touch with him with the ice. We talk a little what? hockey, talk a little wrestling Wait, while I'm Dude, I mean, what is this, the best day ever for me, Brett? Yeah, so <laughs> Wacy Rabbit was fantastic. Uh, you know, kind of talked a little X's and O's with him. I, I kind of got his, his gauge of where the NHL is going and his thoughts of being called the goal, a goal scorer versus a two-way player because I'm not sure if you know this, Brent, but some people take goal scorer as an insult. So I asked him about that a little bit and then had Scorpio Sky on from All Elite Wrestling, part of the tag team champions from SCU. So, yeah, man, uh, talking to SCU and talking to, to Rabbit, man, it was, it was a good day. Uh, not a bad day uh, here on a Friday in uh, Jacksonville where Neptune Beach uh, rent his pizza. Come on by. Say hello. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Of course, uh, some fantastic uh, specials uh, for until 5 o'clock. Uh, House wine, draft beer, two for one here at Renna's Pizza. And, of course, uh, get some of the best pizza you'll ever taste right here at Renna's Pizza. Five locations uh, in northeast Florida, but we're at the Neptune Beach location. Been kind of a, a, a miserable day, windy day, kind of rainy day here out by the beach at least. But um, let's talk a little football. Jags DJ Chark will, looks like he's going to play, has a chance at 1,000 yards. That's a good thing. Do you think the Jaguars will play with some... Juice, because I don't necessarily think the Coughlin deal has any effect on the field, but I think some people do. I think everybody's like, oh, everybody's uptighting that thing because of because of Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much the Coughlin stuff actually directly impacted the on-the-field performance. I don't think a lot. Now, the culture in there, things we talked about, the systemic problem they might have in there, um, some of the foundation, the back and forth, the it put Doug Marone in a tough spot sometimes. Did the players like everything? No. But that's different than on-the-field performance. Oh, I, I don't down. blame the five losses in a row on Tom Coughlin being there. Uh, unless you want to go to personnel things and they didn't have enough players and they're just not good enough as a football roster. So, therefore, if you play that card, well, then that doesn't mean anything these next two games. But, but the bottom line for me is I don't think there will be a lot of juice. But when you do make a change inside of a building, there often is a bump. And so this was a significant change, even though it wasn't to the coaching staff. Yeah. I do wonder if there is some sense of relief or <laughs> yeah. because they feel some momentum maybe playing for Doug Marone. Because, you know, one thing about Leonard Fournette yesterday – and when I went back and watched, he said, I love Coach Doug. I mean, you yeah. don't hear players say that very often in the NFL especially. He said, I love Coach Doug. These guys do want Doug Marone back. They appreciate the way they've, he's handled himself this year and the players. Yeah. So I think this is less about Coughlin and more about Marone and trying to maybe save his job the next couple of weeks. So as far as you know, the motivation in the locker room and them coming out in Atlanta, are you going to see kind of more of like a peak performance uh, and you know them take it up a notch? I don't think so. To me, this isn't like a case of, I guess you would call it like varsity blues. Remember, like where Bud Kilmore, the head coach of varsity blues, like he walks away. He's kind of the old yeah, school yeah, guy. Yeah. He doesn't get along with the new school players anymore. And all of a sudden, the second half, the guys come out from, I think it's, was it West Cayman, Texas, maybe? If I'm not mistaken, it's wow, a deep dive there. I can't remember. I think it was the West Cayman Coyotes. Someone has to uh, fact check that for me. But whatever. So the team comes out, and all of a sudden, like, you know, they're more motivated because, like, the old guy's gone. You know, let's go win this game. I don't think it's like that at all because if we've, uh, you know, gave credit to Doug Marone one thing, it's the fact that he's been able to kind of keep the sideshow together as, as best as possible. So from the standpoint of Tom Coughlin being gone, you're not going to see uh, a difference, I think, in on-the-field player, on-the-field motivation per se. But it does happen when a coach gets let go. You know, back in 2010, I'm sorry, when 2011, uh, when Coach Doria was let go, you know, I think it was there was three games left in the season, maybe two games left in the season, and Coach Tuck took over. You know, it was kind of the standpoint of, like, listen, 
our head coach is gone. Uh, our defensive coordinator's taken over now. It's kind of us against the world, right? And it was that us against the world kind of mentality. I don't think you really get that here with Tom Coughlin being gone. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think again, I think this is more about Marone and if we see a little bit of that juice. And I really don't know how that will play out either. We have had some huge stories this year in Jacksonville when it comes to the Jaguars. Good you know, time to start a I, radio show, Brent. I, I'm telling you, it's been unbelievable. It really has. The Jags have been the gift that keeps on giving from a topic standpoint. I, I will tell you this. I'll share this with with the folks that. We have had some. We monitor the stats on the video part of it, and then of course we get ratings for the radio show. And we've had a very successful year. We appreciate it. Thanks everybody for checking it out, and it's growing. And hopefully 2020 will be even better. Um, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pat ourselves on the back and, and all these things. I just I will. To, yeah, I'm trying to share. Uh, we really appreciate the fact that you've at least checked it out. Mm. But what's been fascinating to watch is when some of these big stories pop. You can see it in the amount of views. Like, we can see how many people are on after we take a look at the analytics of it. And, and then we get, like, ratings, like, you know, a few weeks, a month later. So, and then you can kind of see how it, it matches up. But what I'm getting to here is the Jaguars, say, two weeks ago, everything was done, right? It, it had hit this dull moment. I mean, I don't, I don't know if apathy is the right word, but the appetite certainly wasn't there right out the season. And you can kind of tell. I mean, our, our views were down a little bit. I think people were a little bit more disinterested in the Jaguars. Well, even go to the stadium, attendance was down, Brent. Everything, everything's down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can see the ratings on TV for the game. Oh, they were way down, too. Sure. But I'm saying even for like some of the, the interest in talking Jags is down. Well, this week, I can tell you this. Record week going into today, we've already exceeded more views on all the social media platforms alone on our radio show than any other week this year. Mm -hmm. And we've had some monster weeks. The Jalen Ramsey week was a monster week. Telvin Smith, that story broke on our show uh, way back uh, in the spring. Uh, We talked Nick Foles a lot. Gardner Minshew for weeks was a fun topic to talk about. Now the Tom Coughlin situation. And even Yannick Ngakwe, remember going into camp, that was such a big topic. So you think about all those stories, it's hard to really place which one is the most powerful. But if you would begin a ranking, and if I gave you those six, Telvin Smith, Yannick Ngakwe, Tom Coughlin, Jalen Ramsey, Nick Foles coming on board, the injury and everything else that's since followed, and Gardner Minshew. Think about this while we go take a break. Where would you rank them? And let's revisit some of the big parts of those stories Uh, Because this is kind of winding down 2019, and this is what 2019 has been. It has been those kind of stories in Jacksonville, whether it's our radio show on TV or just around your water cooler at work. This is what people have talked about. It may have been the most fascinating headline year of the Jacksonville Jaguars in team history. Season number 25. It has been off the charts. Mm -hmm. The Jaguars, somebody said to me yesterday, might be the most interesting team in the league, even though they very well could be the worst team in the league in 2019, at least the second half of the year. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Where would you rank them? A couple of good stories. Well, actually, not many good stories. One good story. It's really Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Now, Yannick Ngakwe is not a bad story, but it's, uh, it's a story that, you know, we're still trying to figure out which way it's going. I guess Koo says we're not going to take a break, so let's keep it right here. Uh, where do you where do you see it? Where what are, what are what's the biggest story? What jumps out to you out of those six headlines yeah. that I mentioned? And if I'm missing anything, jump on in. Star yeah. Star six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. The one thing about this is I didn't even mention anything about on the field. 
These are six <laughs> stories that are baseball. Well, well Minshew is Minshew, on the field. Minshew's on the Minshew field. is on the field. So um, that's the only story that really pertains to actual football being played. Sure. So I think the biggest story for me, first of all, would be Avery Jones owing me some money still. <laughs> but you know what? That's that's, not, that's neither here nor there. At least you're a confrontation. I'm right good there. for one. I'm, I'm at least good for one a day, Brendan, in terms of Avery Jones. I want my money. It's the holidays. Uh, but if we're being truthful here. You know, two really stick out to me right off the get-go, right? And two have the potential. Well, one has shaped the franchise in what it is right now, and one has the potential to shape the franchise in the future. And, of course, I'm talking about Tom Coughlin and the CBA and, and that whole grievance thing, and then Gardner Minshew. If I think of the biggest story, though, i got to go with Gardner Minshew just because of the whole Minshew mania thing, not only for his – because let's be honest here. His performance on the field, field was praised, obviously, but also his personality and the character off the field was being praised. So it's kind of like a double whammy. So from that perspective, and a, and a guy that kind of gives you hope going forward, whether it's a new regime or not, but it's at least a guy that hopefully you can build a team around if they choose to go in that direction, I think Minshew Mania is by far the biggest story of this year. Ah, good one. Uh, fascinating, because I kind of go to the dr- drama of it all. Sure. You know, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, we, it was played out for a while. Yeah. Telvin Smith was, is still, I, I just played in this golf charity event and had two different groups ask about Telvin Smith. Yeah. Now, the latest one with the police being involved, that's still front and center, and it's somewhat fresh. But everybody still wants to know, from people inside the building in mm-hmm. Jacksonville, at Jags headquarters, to people around Jacksonville, why did Telvin Smith not play this year? We still have never heard a concrete explanation. It continues to be this big mystery. He's a very difficult person to get in touch with. I don't think he has communicated with a lot of folks. We saw him out at the Reigns High School football game. That story, at least from like a reporter standpoint, from a journalistic standpoint, is fascinating to me that a young man who had this love to play the game and who was a talented football player, sat out and did not collect $10 million in 2019. And he had some reason that was big enough that he won't share with everybody else, or maybe a myriad of reasons, to not play football in 2019. It is the biggest mystery. I to, will... to be fair, though, the argument, though, there, Brent, is the fact that players have done this before, right? Whether it's for head injuries or things of that nature, players have pulled the rug on, underneath the teams before saying, you know what, I'm not going to play football anymore and walk away. So while this was special in Jacksonville, I'm just saying we've seen this story before. But now we don't know why Telvin Smith didn't play football. But you know, most that's have said why. That's, that's a good right? point. That's I mean, a good if point. Telvin Smith had said in March and come out and said, hey, listen, I've got a lot going on right now. This is a strange thing. I get it. Like, and by the way, I'm not saying Telvin owes us an explanation, yeah. but most people would give an explanation. And therefore, all these other things are going around. I mean, the, the amount of stories I've heard that what it could be are unbelievable. But he could have clarified or at least given us an excuse or a reason. I shouldn't say excuse. A reason. Mm-hmm. And that way he didn't have all these talks going on. Well, and that way it, it helps out his teammates as well because they're not could. answering questions yeah, for him. There's some clarity to it. Maybe mm-hmm. it even helps him. That way people aren't talking about him because, remember, he had that little thing with Instagram. He was posting stuff, and it's always this yeah. cryptic stuff coming from Telvin Smith. So, again, I just don't – it's not really – yeah, sure, selfishly, I'd like to know why. But I just almost – the whole handling of that situation – I don't understand, other than I know there was a disconnect with the organization because there was no communication with the organization about this to the point where you would think he would ask the, the organization for any kind of help in any situation that he might have needed it, and I think they would have given it to him. So I think that was a monster story, even though it was way, way back now. 
Uh, Nick Foles kind of goes along with Gardner Minshew in a way to me, even though they're two different levels. I would say I still think Ramsey is the story of the year. And that story was, you know, I just told you that, like, we had the most views this week that we've ever had, and we haven't even hit today yet. You know, today's not done. That week, the Ramsey week, when he requested a trade, that week was number one before this week. And that week also, that that carried on for three or four weeks. That storyline, that narrative, it was a national story. The Jaguars lost one of their best players in franchise history. People don't want to admit that right now, but they lost maybe their best player on their football team this year, one of their most prized players that have played defense in the organization's history, potentially a Pro Bowl, a perennial Pro Bowler, once again made it this year for the Rams, even though he had an off year, it looked like. Mm. And I think a guy that we could talk about going to Canton, Ohio someday. Yes, he may bounce around teams. He might be that guy. But we're talking about that kind of talent that the Jaguars lost. And how did this all materialize As the Rams that returns. they lost him is still amazing. The sideline outburst. The outburst in a closed-door meeting in Houston with the Jaguars brass. The butting heads with Tom Coughlin. The crazy news conference that Jalen Ramsey had. The faking of, we think, the back injury. And then the all-of-a-sudden exit when the Jaguars received two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. To me, that is the massive story, and a story that we will always go back to here in Jacksonville. One, we will see how good this guy is and how much the Jaguars let a great player get away, especially if he continues to get accolades around the NFL. And we also will watch for the next two years, at least in short order, who they pick in the draft to replace Ramsey. Because we don't know how to grade this whole move until they get draft picks and those draft picks perform. And maybe, hey, maybe, who knows, the Jaguars find their franchise quarterback with one of those picks. And then everybody would say, that's a great day. It was all worth it. But as it sits right now, at the end of 2019, the Jaguars lost a really good football player. One of their best. Have nothing for it in return as of now except what looks like a couple of draft picks in the first round and one in the fourth round over the next couple of years. And not only that, the reason Ramsey is gone, we all think and believe, that guy has now been fired. Yeah. <laughs> so they lost everything in that deal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the Jalen Ramsey story to me is one not only that is the biggest of the year and that will resonate not only here in 19, but for maybe some two three, five, ten years to come around Jacksonville. I think it's one we will always refer back to. We're not done with this conversation because I want to get to yours. Minshew is huge. Mm -hmm. And could he have the same impact Ramsey has, but in an opposite way, where you put your arms around this guy for the next decade as the franchise quarterback? Where are we on that? How fun was the Minshew ride for the two months that we lived it? And do we get another couple of weeks, couple of years? And then some here in Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. We'll stay on the topic. 2019, that was also memorable, off the field especially, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're hanging out at Renner's Pizza, Neptune Beach, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, heading into the final hour of a Friday in December. Thanks for hanging out. Well, a lot of respect for him. Wish him nothing but uh, success where he ends up. You know, I think my relationship is different than most. You know, I can only speak from my relationship. Well, we talked about, uh, we talked a lot of football, you know, uh, you know, he's definitely, uh, 
a football fan like I am, you know, uh, you know, he has a lot more knowledge about it. So, you know, I was always, uh, always fun being able to, you know, listen to him, tell some, a couple stories, and you know, just talk ball. That's Calais Campbell talking about Tom Coughlin and the departure of Tom Coughlin. You know, we had uh, Calais Campbell on Jaguars Hall Access last night. We didn't have another guest. We talked a lot about everything going on. And I thought it was really interesting. If you just take it at, at this part of it, Calais Campbell said part of the reason that he came to Jacksonville was because of Tom Coughlin. Because of the resume, because of what he represented, what he had done in football. That was part of the lure to Jacksonville in 2017 for Calais Campbell. I said last night on TV, I said, however you feel about Tom Coughlin and what he's done these last three years for the Jags, with the Jags, if you think he got too much credit in 17, if you think he's run this thing into the ground, however you feel about it. If he helped get Calais Campbell to Jacksonville, to me it was worth Tom Coughlin being in the office sure. for the last three years. I mean, that man has, Calais Campbell has represented Jacksonville. He has, he has done so many things that uh, it, it, there's a sense of pride when people talk about Calais Campbell. One of the best free agent signings, if not the best free agent signing in Jaguars history. Yes, especially big money one. If you want to argue street free agent, of course, Jimmy Smith comes into mind. Yeah. But I'm talking, you could put him up, one of the best in the NFL history. You know, Reggie White has that title, right? Of course. But the best, he is one of the best. Look at his numbers. They've been unbelievable. So, and the impact he might leave, whenever that is that he leaves, I don't know if it will be this year, but the impact he might leave on Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Allen and other people in that locker room, uh, I thought about it that way. If you think about it in that context, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the other thing that Calais Campbell struck me yesterday, um, you know, he's the player rep. Mm-hmm. Calais is. Yeah. I think we had talked about that earlier in the week. Yeah, we, we usually goes to the, the guy that's been, you know, the lost in the NFL or on that team. So yeah. obviously they have a lot of respect for him. He's been around the league for a while. He's seen a lot of stuff. He wasn't talking about the medical stuff, right? That the P- NFLPA and the grievance kind of was won over because the requirement and then the fines to a guy like Dante Fowler Jr. But he did say in OTAs and in training camp, this is what he said last night on our show. He said he would, t- Tom Coughlin takes it right to the edge. But he never broke any rules. They never broke any rules in Jacksonville. As the player rep, he would know that because sure. he's got to represent. You got to have those conversations, all those things. So I thought it was interesting, at least from Calais's point of view, um, to to acknowledge that. And once again, I think just one more thing he also said about Doug Marone and, and the job that he's been able to do. But I think even the players understand that. Hey, five and nine right now ain't cutting it. Mm-hmm. And when you're five and nine, changes often can happen. I don't think anybody in that locker room. 100% thinks Doug Marone is coming back to coach them next year. I think they would like that to happen. Most guys have said that they would like that to happen. But, uh, again, there is growing momentum that everything we're hearing these last couple of days is that very well could happen. It's not solidified. It's not confirmed that it is going to happen. But there is definitely momentum that Caldwell and Marone could be back in uh, 20. 20. Brent Martin of Austin Lane, Renna's Pizza, here at Neptune Beach. Uh, come on by. Say hello. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us uh, on a Friday in Jacksonville. Before we get back to the Minshew, who you think is the biggest story of 2019, the Ramsey already gave my thoughts the biggest story. As the Ramsey of, turns, uh, it's a great season, Brent. 
It was the final season of that episode or the the that show. I right. don't know if we even talk need to talk about Coughlin because we have all week, so we've kind of exhausted that topic all week long. But we could kind of argue though this, the Coughlin thing it kind of had an umbrella between a lot of these things. That a happened. lot of it, you're right. So that's a big deal though. Uh, yes, and we will tie in Yannick Ngakwe, Foles. We already mentioned Telvin Smith Jaylen as Ramsey. well. And then, of course, the Jalen Ramsey stuff. So that's a very good point right there. He is actually the guy that weaves through all of these topics yeah. from signing foals. Uh, I would say the only one he's not doesn't have anything to do with is probably Minshew. Correct. And I shouldn't say anything. I mean, they draft him in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. But uh, it feels like a little bit more of that was the scouting and the drafting and, and everything. Uh, we'll give him credit for it because he was part of yeah. it. But these other storylines, Yannick Holden out, the contract no-go, uh, the signing of Foles, the uh, Ramsey situation, maybe even the Telvin situation, that one's a little bit harder to tell. Yeah. Uh, all those things are, are wrapped around, well, now the departure of Tom Coughlin in some way, shape, or form. It's crazy, man. Like If the Jaguars were a soap opera this year, like we've always compared them to the Jalen Ramsey incident, if the Jaguars were a soap opera, like Tom Coughlin is like the brother who turns out to be the husband or the cousin, and he turns out to be the bad guy with the eye patch at the end. You know, like, he's, he's responsible for a lot of this stuff. So, you know, when we're talking about the, the release of Tom Coughlin, I mean, I don't want to go back in my word with Minshew here, but you could argue that Coughlin may be the biggest news uh, of the year just from the standpoint of he's responsible for so much. Yeah, very good call there. All right, we're going to talk more about Minshew going forward. And also I want to get into the Yannick Ngakwe and where does that land because, again, it lost in all of this in the middle of this year. That Ngakwe story was an everyday story here on our show. Yeah. So much so that your cardboard cutout still says, hey, Yon. And it's going to keep on saying that until he gets his money. Now, we haven't decided if the franchise tag will erase that quote or not yet. I'll make that decision. But, yeah, I mean, I've been very adamant about this. And were you listening in, in the first uh, probably 20 minutes of the show, Brent? I did a little exercise no, I was with Stuart. Okay. Well, um, okay. <laughs> but from that perspective, I want to do the exercise with you quick because I did it with Stuart. Can I do it with you real quick? You can do it with- quick after we hit the happy okay. hour horn here on a Friday heading into the weekend, the Christmas holiday. How about a little Vita de Louis? for a holiday gift. Drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders. Ah, and if you want a gift and you're looking for a gift, and I know you're that person looking for a gift still. We all are. There's mm. somebody to buy for, oh, yeah. and you haven't done it yet. Check out Vita de Louis and VitaDeLouis.com. It's a perfect gift. It's the smoothest tequila around. It's locally owned here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Three flavors, Blanco, Reposado, and Yeho. And check out VitaDeLouis.com, the perfect gift around the holidays, or, well, maybe you need to get some to... 
party. Be safe, of course. <laughs> but uh, drink responsibly. Have some fun, though, with Vita de Louis tequila. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane. All right. What's this yeah. exercise you're talking so about? So this is, this is a little uh, – let's say you're the GM, right? I want you to play the GM quick, and I'm going to give you three players. And I want you to tell me – what player I'm you're going to take? I'm a fantasy in. GM, so you're not bad here. I'm sure if you're the GM in the NFL right now, you'd be taking those two first-round picks and trading for Daniel Jones. So <laughs> let's just wait and see how you play this out here. Might but there's not three. Be a bad idea. But there's three players here. I want to hear which one you want. So player A, and once again, Stuart Weber did this exercise with me earlier today. Player A is a defensive end, Brent. Uh, he has five sacks this year and two forced fumbles, and he hasn't missed any games. Okay. okay? Player B. He's had six sacks this year, one interception, three forced fumbles, and has only missed one game this season. Okay. Player C has eight sacks, one interception, three forced fumbles, uh, a touchdown, and has missed one game this season. What player are you taking? Sacks, uh, one. Uh, it sounded like I, I, I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I'm taking player C. Correct. Right, because he's got similar numbers to player B. Mm-hmm. Except a couple more sacks is what it looked like. Yep. They and uh, the only difference in player A, I think ha- they had played more games. Yeah, but player A has not missed any games. Player B has six sacks, one interception, and player C has eight sacks, one interception. Okay. And they uh, both missed the same amount C, of games. By the way, Yannick Ngakwe. You nailed it. Uh, Stewart thought it was uh, Bosa. I'm like no, <laughs> it well, wasn't. Player B is not Bosa either, though. None of no. these are Bosa because no. Bosa has like seven or eight sacks. No. Right no. Uh, so. Um, uh, Did you want to hint who these who they're play not on the Jags, Obviously, they're right. not on the Jags, but they have a direct correlation to Yannick Ngakwe and what we've been talking they about the entire show. In his class. Mm-mm. Oh, they're free no. agents. They're, fr- they're, they're, they're they're two guys that were talked about with Yannick Ngakwe when signing his new contract. Demarcus Lawrence and oh, Frank Clark. Frank Clark. Yeah, because wow. because remember those good guys call. get over a hundred million dollars. Hey, that's a and, great that's yeah. a great call. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you that. That's a good call about what Yannick Ngakwe is able to do. But is that also a caution flag for the Jags? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 I know mean, what you mean. I, I, think, I like what you're saying there and saying, hey, Yannick Ngakwe has outperformed. Yes. But did, uh, you said Clarks of the Chiefs. Yep. And who was the other one? Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. Yeah. Did they make a mistake in paying that kind of money? Sure. You know what I mean? Is that a fair question? It absolutely is a fair question. You know, and my point is the fact that, you're going to have to overpay sometimes for players, Absolutely. right? I mean, whether it's C.J. Moses from the Jets, it's just it's the way the NFL works yeah. now. If you want your guy, you probably have to pay above market value to get that guy, especially with such high demand, and the pass rusher is a high demand position. But when you look at the situation here, and yes, Frank Clark probably underperforming a little bit. Demarcus Lawrence obviously underperforming a little bit. With a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who stayed consistent, eight sacks, could be on pace for ten, a 10-sack ten season. We'll see how the last two games pan out for him, though, Brent. But the difference between Yannick Ngakwe here, Frank Clark, and Demarcus Lawrence is the first two guys that I mentioned, player A, player B, they've had off-the-field problems before, mm-hmm. right? The, and and uh, Frank Clark is a guy who didn't come through Kansas City, right? He was in Seattle, and they traded for him. Yannick Ngakwe, yes, he's gotten a fight with supposedly Dante Fowler a little bit, but this is football. I'm not going to even bat an eyelash at that. But all things considered, Yannick Ngakwe has gone by and done things the right way. And it's a guy that you brought through your system, a guy that you helped coach and got to where he is right now. So not only are you paying for the right now the eight sacks, the three force fumbles, the one touchdown, and you know the missed game that he had to be take part of, but you're also paying for what he brings off the field. And that's the leadership. Yeah, and and he wants to be a leader. Exactly. By the way, Yannick Ngakwe, I think it was 
this last game, I think, at halftime, got up and, and talked to the football team. You know, that's a role that Calais Campbell has really done. I think Avery Jones has done that at times. Leonard Fournette picks his spots and does it at, from time to time. But I think Yannick Ngakwe stood up and did that. I think Yannick Ngakwe, is, in his relationship with Josh Allen, has not been a crusty one, you know, and yeah. you never know in those kind of situations. So uh, we know what he's learned from Calais Campbell, his admiration for him. I think this maturation of Yannick Ngakwe, the fact that he's 24, about to be 25 years old, and the numbers, they, the numbers just jump out at me. This is a very, this is a bad optic thing. Again, Jalen Ramsey, one of the top stories of the year. I just gave you 20 minutes ago the whole take on Jalen Ramsey yep. and how it's like, oh my gosh, they, this better not blow up in their face. And we're going to be talking about this for a decade. How this guy's going to Pro Bowls and All Pros, and their draft picks that they got return are busts. Yeah. Because that guy was such a good football player. Well, are you ready to do that with Yannick Ngakwe, too, when he's the second all-time sack getter already in franchise history? This has been a franchise that has not been able to find pass rushers. I will say this. Dave Caldwell, staff, Tom Coughlin, if you want to, whoever you want to say, in terms of finding players, there are two positions the Jaguars went just cold on for more than a decade. Wide receiver. Yep. They could not replace Jimmy Smith. Correct. They couldn't do it. Yeah. It, it, it was it was a decade. Uh, I think it was a decade. I think it was right on the money a decade before there was another 1,000 yard receiver in Jacksonville. And yep. they tried. They had all these different guys that were trying and trying and trying. Well, Dave Caldwell gets Allen Robinson in. He has that monster year. 14 touchdowns. I think it was 1,400 yard season. Allen Hearns came in. Double digit touchdowns. Yep. You know, Marquise Lee played well. Not to those kind of numbers. He played well at times. And obviously the injuries and all those things. But now you look up. Allen Robinson goes away. Hearns goes away. Lee, eh, just not, maybe it's not working out. D.D. Westbrook has had moments. Hasn't been consistent enough. But DJ Chark looks like he's now emerging. So the Jaguars have now been able to say, okay, we do have some receivers around here. We can Correct. find that position. It's not Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. And sure, we can make the case that letting Allen Robinson go was not the smartest of things. Fair yeah. enough. My point is they're finding a position that nobody has been able to find for a decade in Jacksonville. Yeah. The other position, yep. and this one goes 25 seasons. Mm. And you are a part of the quest to find one. Sorry, Gene. <laughs> and, and that is the pass rusher. Yeah, and, sorry about that, Gene. And, and I would say, if I'm Dave Caldwell, I'm going in there and saying, hey, this organization hasn't been able to find one of the most elite positions in the game, yeah. and we have found Calais Campbell, Josh Allen, and Yannick Ngakwe. Yep. That is a lot of sacks. Mm -hmm. That is a lot of game wreckers and a lot of accolades along the way in the last three years to be able to find. So, again, everybody who says he can't find this, he does, bad picks in the first round, all these other things, if I'm Dave Caldwell, I'm saying, I found two positions that you guys couldn't find with a myriad of people over a decade of time in the NFL. So that would be one way I would defend uh, a Dave Caldwell. But the bottom yeah. line is, they've been able to find those guys. Now, what they haven't been able to find is that dang quarterback. And that's the most. That's my point. That's the most important part. Yes, a pass rusher is important, Brent, and that's why they're so pricey. You know, That's why they're so expensive. But at the end of the day, the quarterback play will be the first and last thing that's tied to a GM. Absolutely. Facts. And they've had two of those mistakes. But your top story of 2019 is Gardner Minshew. Yes. 
Where are you at right now? And again, this thing wavers, right? Before the Oakland yeah. game, he had played two. His last two starts had not been very good. Everything was so miserable around here. All of a sudden, three quarters of play, eh, just okay. But then he comes back and he leads the team to victory on the road in the black hole, the final game there. And I think people feel good about Minshew once again and say, hey, let's give this kid a shot. If you look at his record now, in games he started, he's 5-5 five and five in his rookie season. Yeah. Not bad. Where do you sit on Minshew right now, even though he was one of the biggest stories of 19? What will he be in 2020? I mean, I think it's going to be more of the same, Brent. You know, and, and when Minshew Mania first came into fruition, I get it. You know, it's the mustache. It's the jean shorts. It's the personality. It's the headband and all that stuff. Well, I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't necessarily buy into that too much because, number one, I've been wearing jean shorts since I was in, like, third grade. I got pictures to prove it. Me rocking jean shorts up to, like, my kneecaps with some Birkenstocks. Check it out sometime. I'll post pictures. So, like, the jean shorts and the mustache and all that stuff, it didn't – I mean, I get it. It's fun for the fans. But for me, from what I do, I was just trying to look at the guy. And the guy that I saw was the guy that I interviewed at the Senior Bowl. Now, granted, the reason why I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl was because the style got my attention, right? Because the the, the reason I knew about Gardner Minshew was watching college game day and watching these ridiculous uh, suits that he wore for bowl games, right? It was the mustache. Like, that's what kind of piqued my attention at the Senior Bowl. But then when I talked to him, when I interviewed him, and you can go back and listen to the audio after I did the interview, and I said this thing. I said... This kid could be something special because it seems like he's supremely confident in himself and he's not afraid of the big moment. Well, now fast forward, Nick Foles goes down and out of nowhere, here comes Gardner Minshew. And, you know, the the guy I think has held his own ever since. And I think for the future, Brent, it's very promising because like I've said before on this show, the analytics back it up where he's putting up rookie numbers that only the top elite echelon guys have ever been able to do. So the analytics add up. And also the way the players respond to him. Most importantly, the leadership. Um, the ability to follow and go through the wall for somebody. The players respect Gardner Minshew to do that as well. So I think he's the complete package going forward. Now, obviously, if the new regime does come in, they have to love him because the last thing you want to do is have a guy that you're on the fence about if you're a new coach and be like, we'll see. I don't want we'll see. I, I, and if a new regime does come in, I want him to be like, we love Gardner Minshew. Here's what we're going to do with him. Here's how we see him going forward. That's what I want. But all things considered, I think he's got the mindset. I think he has the physical tools. I think he's just overall has the swag to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I, what I can't – still people don't know, and, and what it's hard to judge, and, and that's on anybody, by the way. Uh, and the more time they have at the position or playing in the NFL, the more growth they usually will have. The p- problem is people don't get a lot of time because you need instant results this day, that instant gratification. Show me satisfaction. now. Yep. But, you know, I could take the first eight games, even the Houston game, as being a bad game and the other ones being up and down and great moments and not so great moments and rookie stuff and oh wow stuff that's fine to me that the four and four uh, and again even the houston bad bad game it's going to happen like we said hey the rookie game's coming at some point and it was bad what i don't necessarily understand as much of is i still don't understand why this offense can't get going at all. Uh, and, okay, give me the offensive line has been just okay. Give me DJ Chark was out or, or this guy's out or wh- whatever you want. I'm saying can't get going at all up until the fourth quarter last week. But even with Minshew in there, the, the last game and three quarters leading up to that fourth quarter, there wasn't much going on. So it's really hard to tell. That's why I still think these next two games are critical. Did he find something in that fourth quarter? Did Flip and Minshew have a rhythm there in that fourth quarter that they can kind of piggyback on in Atlanta and back home here against Indianapolis that says, okay, again, like I, 
the NFL is hard. You are going to go through these dips where you don't play well. Sure. If that's what chalks it up to at the end of the season after these two games, and there's more good than bad, you know, I'm willing to roll uh, with, with Gardner Minshew. I just don't think this offense had so many parts gone that it should have just went boom, nothing. I mean, it went from something to nothing in a hurry, whether it was Foles or Minshew playing quarterback for about a five-week stretch there. But to be fair, though, Brent, you talk about the dips a little bit. And, yes, we did see the dips with Gardner and Minshew, especially in Houston, when they played at London, where they had a chance to, you know, to, for him to kind of cement himself as a starter. Yeah. Okay, And he'll be the first one to tell you that he didn't do his job, and he lost his starting job to Nick Foles. Fair enough. But at the same time, you talk about those dips. And you talk about the ebb and flows, the peaks and valleys of the NFL life, right? Especially from the quarterback position where it's more under the microscope than any other position in the NFL. And you talk about a young guy his first year in the league, all right? Go back to that Baltimore game. Watch Gardner Minshew's helmet go flying off. Yeah. One of the worst rookie games any quarterback has probably ever had in the history of the NFL, yeah. right? And you got Baltimore that's trying to win the preseason championship for some reason. They're blitzing and everything. They're literally showing the, the full deck at Gardner Minshew, and guess what? He's not responding to it. Now, did he have the backups in? Yes. Was this his first game? Yes. Was it a horrible game, though? Absolutely. And I remember we came back after that game, Brent, and we were like, ooh, backup quarterback position. I don't know. Well, people left August looking for another backup yeah, quarterback, yeah. if you might remember. And listen, and I'll be I'll be honest, I was right there with him. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know, sure I man. I this, right? Yeah, exactly. But what happened? He rebounded. He learned from his mistakes, and he got better. And that's been the calling card this entire year of Gardner Minshew, where, yes, he has the ups and downs, but guess what? The down, it's always followed by the up. And not all rookie quarterbacks can do that, yeah. Brent, especially in the city of Jacksonville. People have seen it time and time again, where if a quarterback starts down, it's just it escalates to keep on going down and down to as, as low as you can go, right? You're not accustomed to seeing a guy who can bounce back after a bad game or a bad play. And that's what Gardner Minshew has going from, especially from a rookie mindset, a rookie quarterback. That's rare in the NFL, man, and that, that cannot be praised enough. We don't know what the Jags quarterback situation will look like next year. But if everything we're hearing and the momentum continues for Marone and Caldwell still to be here, I'm thinking that Foles and Minshew could still be here. Yeah. I want to know if you fall in line with that. And on top of that, regardless of the QB situation, two picks in the first round this year, two picks next year, are one of those spent on a quarterback until we know for sure Minshew's the guy or Foles really can play here in Jacksonville or whatever it might be. Do you have to spend to turn this thing around at least another draft pick early on a QB? Would you do it, even with Minshew on the roster? Talk about that next on ESPN 690. We're live at Redis Pizza, Neptune Beach. I think they're sold out of the pineapple and ham here. That'd be a Christmas miracle if that's the fact. Nah, it's good stuff. I bought them all. I bought them all. Come on out. Try it. Neptune Beach will be back on ESPN 690. Why would they take this legacy? I mean, he was as a, known as a tough coach that got the job done. And, I mean, uh, he did excessive finding for, you know, for Dante when he was injured, trying to keep him here. You know, you could say his well, most goal was to make sure he got healthy. But, you know, certain things do wait. But, no, I'm taking his career now. It's not like he went out and killed somebody or something. <laughs> I mean, 
Can we get Avery Jones to talk going. every day? And just please keep the song going because it's such a great background music prop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is such a good soundbite from Avery Jones. Uh, I said it to somebody else. Like, this guy's unbelievable. He's the gift that keeps on giving, man. By the way, he has a Rolodex. If you're watching the video feed right now, I'm not sitting down because I have a cramp. Oh, for real? Oh, oh golf really got you today, huh, man? Gosh, it's the worst. You know, oh. I just haven't drank enough water. I bet you didn't. Especially it's humid it's outside. all those shots on the golf course. Yeah. Oh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Well, uh, sh- good shots or bad shots? Oh, no. I'm, I meant shots. Shot shots. I got gotcha. you. Okay. <laughs> like Vita Happy Daily shots. shots. Happy Daily hour shots. shots. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Uh, Coons, how you hanging back there, man? You ready for the weekend? You get all your Christmas shopping done? So, fun fact, I, I thought Austin was going to rat me out yesterday. During the show, I was doing my Christmas shopping. <laughs> I wasn't going to rat you out, man. It's okay, because I still have some shopping to do myself. So what, on Amazon? Yeah. I mean, you got to go to the mall. Don't you, you have to battle uh, it a little bit? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, you can go to the I mall. Went to, or... I went to Best Buy the other day, uh, yesterday, like yeah. 2 o'clock, because I had to get something to uh, something we do at the station sure. and, and give it to a local family, and I... Uh, needed to purchase something. Yep. So I had to battle it. Like I had to have it in by. That's the worst. Before the show. Yeah. And it's it's just crazy. We were. But I would, yeah. You got to do it, man. I mean, you got to walk well, around a mall or a town center or it, something. Does it count that like? Place. Does it count that like over the weekend I had to go to the Orange Park Mall and on my like just to go from the mall back to um, uh, the highway? Like it was. It's like a mile, right? It took me like thirty minutes just to do that. So I kind of battled it. Yeah, I, well, that's good. You got to get a taste of it. I'm not listen. I hate it too. I, I mean, but I like it for like ten minutes. Sure. Christmas music playing. Everybody's kind of smiling. Yeah. You know, it's a little different than like Disney, where everybody after like seven cries. Yeah. You know. Sorry. Uh, I'm just sorry, man. <laughs> I, I'm trying to keep it together right now, but then this whole dialogue talking of uh, getting Christmas gifts has kind of left me a little irritated, to say the least. Why is that? Well, to be, I mean, I'm not going to share everything, but... Oh, share? Well, I can't, I can't share everything, but so for you guys, I mean, I was going to get you guys something small, you know, just a real appreciation kind of gift, especially for you, Brent, I mean, you kind of gave me this job, so it was more of just an end of the year thank you gift, and, and I have your stuff, which I forgot at my uh, place, so I'm going to bring it to your office tomorrow before I leave uh, to go back home. Is this one of these moments Coos- that I better run next door and no. get Austin No, no, dude, I, dude, I'll tell you, it's not a big deal at all, and plus, <laughs> trust mean, me, I'm the last go. guy that does this. He's no. leaving for Wisconsin no. tomorrow. Well, um, I'm leaving Saturday, but yeah, d- no, actually, yeah, tomorrow. Saturday. I don't know what day it is anymore. But um, so I'll run by your place tomorrow. It's not a big deal. It's just it's a small gift saying thank you. Coos, I got something too because I'm I'm a charitable kind of guy. Coos's gift that I got him apparently was from a bogus website, and that website has oh. taken my credit card stuff and now proceeded to use more of the money than was allowed, and now I'm in you know basically litigation of trying to get that credit card shut off all because of Kuz's stupid gift. So yeah, I'm not the happiest right now. My Christmas spirit isn't to the, the most that it should be, but thanks for playing that John Lennon song. It helped me out a little bit. The Grinch stole Kuz's present. Yeah, well, yeah. It, 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 was, it, was, it was the Grinch or so, a European city. I'm not going to name. I don't want to put anybody out, and I can be racist, but it was someplace in Europe that uh, has my credit card information. I seriously have bad cramp. Uh, and uh, First Coast Bubble, <laughs> back to the cramp. Uh, First Coast Bubble says pickle juice. You're right, pickle juice and bananas. Really, yeah. I need some potassium in my life. Uh, absolutely, but I'm not getting it. In fact, I've got a rennis 
cheese and pepperoni well, slice of pizza right there. That's what I got. Do you want me to get you jalapeno? Uh, jalapenos help. They Spicy do? foods? Oh, yes. Does it, really? it was on Mythbusters. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Brett Martin of Austin Lane. Coos back there. Right, one final thing about the uh, Christmas stuff, uh, and we can do this a little bit more, Coos. You know, maybe you should call in on Monday, but you'll probably be snowboarding. Because uh, one of the things we wanted to yeah. do, I don't think we're going to get to it today. Oh, the power ranking? Is, is, the, is the draft for the 12 <laughs> yeah, days of Christmas. That's right. But yeah. I kind of want to do it. Okay. So maybe you can either text them in. Maybe we can do the draft. We'll share it with everybody. Okay. You know, almost like our fan- opposite of our live fantasy draft. Sure. Dude, I'll, I'll call in, man, because by the time the show is going on, I'll be done snowboarding. Okay. So I have no problem calling in. Uh, but <laughs> you bring up an interesting thing, right? Okay. How many people, like, isn't it the most awkward thing around Christmas time? that Like, like I like to gift people things at Christmas time. Yeah. You know, and then, but there's, you get to a point, you're like, golly, I mean, if I... I really want to buy them and them and them and and maybe do something here for charity and you yeah. get your kids like, whew, where does okay, it end, right? Do I want to spend all that? Where like, does it I end? really want to do it. I want to be like a nice guy and do it. Yeah. Well, like, I want to do it for Coos. That came back to bite me in the butt, but, obviously. So. But, I mean, my heart only will go. <laughs> it my heart grows. starts seeing dollar signs, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so how much do you wrestle with that? Like, it's a good do, call. Do you man. get? Who do you get? Yeah. What do you get them? And then it's the worst when like you really wanted to get somebody something, or you had them on your list, and you're yeah. like, well, they're not going to get me anything. I don't have to For worry sure. about that because that's the awkward thing, right? I know. When they get you something, yep. and then you feel like you should have gotten something, and then you can't do it. Like it's almost like a retaliation or a yeah. reaction. Yeah, dude, it's it's so bad. And like, like, I don't know what the etiquette well, to that the, is. The, there's no like official written rules. There so, is. So we're just flying with our coattails in the wind, hoping it turns out. You know, no, I agree with you, man. It's a, it's a, it's an awkward state of affairs, um, especially with coworkers. Like, you get your coworkers it stuff. Like, I, and I, I'll be truthful. I didn't want to get you guys anything. My wife. Said, I was kind of hoping you didn't. Well, and here's the thing. Cody talked to me, my wife. She's like, you know, I mean, he was generous enough to give you, you know, the job. So this is more of a thank you gift, uh, you know, for helping me get this this job here, and hopefully I can come on next year as well. And for Q, it was just, you know, I, I didn't want him to feel left out. With that being said, um, which, which he's going to be anyways now because you're not getting your gift. I'm trying to get my money back. So, by the way, your response to Cody was like, well, yeah, could have. They could have paid me more money so I could afford a gift. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that point. Did not think about that. But, no, it's a, it's a stressful state of affairs. Now, Brent, the, the real answer would be, well, you know what, Brent? It's not about gifts. It's about it's who not. you spend the holidays and, around. And at right? the end of the day, that's probably true. Yeah. But you still, like, you feel better about it. Oh, well, like, of like, course. This, this can ruin friendships, Brent. That's like, right. I, yeah, absolutely. So, so and, and you just want to feel good around the holidays. You want to be able to do it. So yeah. it's it's an awkward time. Yeah. That's why I'm glad I have a small family. But I did tell it. you, I told you this earlier, like, I, I guess people, like, why don't you give people more things, like, in May or sure. June? Like, what is it about, like, the holiday that sparks that? Yeah. And there is something that sparks that for me. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know that it factor. Yeah. And I don't know why it's like at this time I'm like, hey, hey, Steph. Let's just shell out some money. Here you go. Let's look, give them here and here and here. Yeah, you're basically like Oprah Winfrey. You feel like it, even yeah. if you can't afford it. Exactly. But you like it. Yeah. And and it's uh, but it's kind of fun. Like yeah. it's fun to be able to to do it, even if it's a little thing. Yeah. Um, well, and and nowadays it's more fun. It's different, right? Because it used to be your kid. Like for me, it used to be my kids. Sure. It's a little less of that now. They're 14 years old. Uh, yeah. You're in that mode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really fun. So you feel like you're getting all that. Yeah. Now it's kind of cool if you can do it for a family in need or some of these station initiative type things we do. It's really neat. Mike Barsh does uh, this angel tree. 
and and unfortunately, I had this uh, Christmas cup that we also were playing golf today for a charity. Sure. But um, I usually go, and it's really cool. They they adopt a family, mm-hmm. and they drop off all these gifts, and these these people have a great Christmas, and it's really cool to see. You know, yeah. I have very little to do with it. Maybe buy a gift and go see it. And Borish has a, a lot to do with it. Salvation Army has a lot to well, do with and, it. Well, and I've actually so I was gonna get to that point. So like in the standpoint of giving gifts and everything, yeah, that's fantastic. If you can swing it by all means, but also if you spend your time, you know, if, if you actually spend your time, um, you know, and you use your patience and you do something good for the community, like for instance. Like you said, the Salvation Army. So back when I uh, ended up tearing my shoulder, I was put on IR. I'll be honest, man, I was bored. I, w- I was super bored. I couldn't play video games. So I was like, you know what? It's around the holidays. Let me go up to Salvation Army. So I was, I was actually like one of those official bell ringers for the Salvation yeah, Army, man. Yeah. So I'll be like, I'll be at Publix and other uh, spots, you know, just ringing the bell. And now, did I get a lot of money? And did I probably have the highest numbers? Maybe. Did I threaten people <laughs> uh, to put money in the jar? <laughs> Might have, but the, the the most important thing is, you know, uh, it went to a good cause. But it, that's what it's all about, man. It's it's not necessarily getting the people the gifts. It's about just spending your time and everything and just uh, doing stuff for a good cause because that's what, what it's all about, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. It's it's just something about this time here. So hopefully, hopefully everybody has a uh, happy holiday season. Go spend a little time shopping, even if it makes you frustrated. you got to experience <laughs> it, all right? Don't get old and lose the Christmas spirit. No, not at you all. Know, I hope because I used to love Christmas. Man, I was that kid. Yeah. I would listen to Christmas music for a long time I, I really did love Christmas of course um, and it does change a little bit when you get old there's no doubt well it, it does, does change, change but then you you almost live vicariously through your children you again man like now that I have my son Ronan dude I'm like I'm, I'm all in again yeah. you know like, there's for a while I was like eh whatever but now I'm all in but now like I'm gonna have to wait for another, the next step, which is like grandkids. Yeah, that's yeah. hopefully a ways away. Okay. <laughs> Boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we still have scholars and things like that, bro. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so, all right, let's get back to a little football talk before we finish up the show, and then maybe some quick picks. Uh, we've got about uh, eight or ten minutes to go here on a Friday before you head to Wisconsin for the holidays. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Can't wait to have the slice of uh, pepperoni and cheese in a moment. I, I, the, yeah, I you, you sold out of the the. the uh, pineapple and ham. So sold out, or the, the request wasn't high enough. Whatever it is, it is what it is. But the fact that you had to bring that te- pepperoni pizza right in front of my face is kind of uh, that's kind of rough, man. Because I'm getting ready to go train right now. And the last I thing I want to do is eat pizza. You but can't do that. You did have a sandwich. I could. Earlier, I though. had a sandwich. It was fantastic. Um, all right, uh, Gardner Minshew. Yep. Do you ha- do you still invest in quarterbacks if you're the GM over the next year in, in April or? The next year, in these next two years, even if you think Minshew something, and you might even have Foles on the roster, like I, I forget about whatever their quarterback situation is. Let's just say, are they investing in a quarterback because they have the draft capital to do it? Should they? Do they need to continue to take chances so they don't let the Deshaun Watsons, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes go to other football teams, yeah. even though they feel like they've got an okay situation, but maybe not a great one? Because I don't know if there's anybody in town, even that loves Gardner Minshew, that would say, whew, this football team has an elite quarterback, and we know it. Nobody knows if this football team has that, and quite frankly, most people would say they don't. Yeah, Brent, but to be fair, nobody knows if any rookie quarterback is going to be the savior of their franchise. Here's what what bothers me about the whole Gardner Minshew situation, okay? It's the fact that he's a six-round pick, and we always tie him to he's a six-round pick, he's a six-round pick, as if that makes him more expendable from being a first-round pick. Because if Gardner Minshew was taking the first round right now with his numbers, what he's put up, I think people would be pretty optimistic going forward. But yeah, the fact you that, said that. Yeah, but, said that. But, but the fact that he's a six-round pick, it's almost like, eh, we could probably maybe do a little better. My point here is this. I, you if know, you, you, so, real yeah. quick, you say that, and I get your point. I think it's a valid point. Mm-hmm. 
I just, I don't know if he's, like, when Patrick Mahomes took over, you're like, whoa, whoa Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. what Lamar Jackson's doing right, you're but like, that was the second year, though. I, 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 that was Lamar Jackson's second year. Lamar Jackson did play a little bit more. Mahomes didn't really play in his first year. I mean, he he had, what, he played in I think the, the last two, game last of the season? Game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that there was no sample, okay. is my point. You were sure. like, whoa. When Russell Wilson first started, you were like, whoa. Minshew yeah. has been so Dak much Prescott. fun, but does his play say, whoa? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. But yeah. go ahead, continue. So, okay, so uh, I guess my whole point is the fact of the matter is this, Brent. Okay, where for a rookie year, he's had a great rookie season. He really has. And what, what are the, what's the difference between Gardner Minshew right now and the Dak Prescotts, the Russell Wilsons, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes? The pieces around him are already put in place, right? Like, they came into fantastic situations. And, and all those guys had that in common. With Gardner Minshew, you could argue, not all the pieces are put in place quite yet. No. And to assume I don't maybe, think it's as pitiful as it has been at times. True, but, but it, there's still a lot more to yep. go, right? And let's be honest, if a new regime does or does not come in, it doesn't really matter. But I think you have to do a complete overhaul, a complete rebuild. Because even if the head coach and the GM does stay, we can assume that the coordinators are probably going to be gone, okay? Uh, May- oh, maybe. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. Up until about 36 hours ago, I was this, assuming everybody was going to be gone. This is what I'm assuming. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be a new regime in here, but that's just my assumption. But whatever the case is, there's going to be a lot of changes. I think we can both agree on that regardless of, of the, the personnel on the field. So with that being said, and there has to be a lot of changes on the field, Brent, well, you have to start those changes in the draft. And the last thing I want to see happen is the Jaguars draft the quarterback in the first round, whether, whether it's their first pick or their second pick in the first round, because history has shown us, and I let history sometimes be an indicator, where when you draft the guy in the first round and you bring him to a team that does not have all the pieces in place, it doesn't turn out well. My argument is the fact that you have maybe something special. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stand on this table here and say Gardner Mitchell is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be the next Peyton Manning. I don't know that. But what I do know is that he has the potential to be something special. So if you have that kind of potential, why not build around him then and see what he's really capable of? And then guess what? If he doesn't pan out next year, if he has a horrendous season next year, well, then so be it. Then, then you use one of the draft picks in that draft because you have two first-rounders and you draft the first-round quarterback there. But I just think that you need to build around Gardner Minshew now. You have to start from the ground up because there's a lot of holes that need to be filled to be a successful franchise. And with the dollars and investment in draft capital and with Minshew's success and with the curiosity of Foles and how this front office views him, we don't know right now and what that will look like or whoever's making the calls will view that. I think you're probably you get you're you're probably correct in terms of not investing in a quarterback for another reason too, and that is, are you in love with any of these guys? Tua would be one that everybody's interested in, but there comes with red flags. The next year, there's a guy named Trevor Lawrence available, and they'll be the next best thing. They'll be more court. Like I'm not Justin Herbert. I mean, eh. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know. I mean, is there anybody that's like, wow, we got to go get him. We got to trade up. We got to use some of this capital to get him. I don't think they'll be in that position this sure. time around. But you could be right about 2021. And if things fail next year, it will definitely be with a new regime in 2021. That's part point. of the. Re- well, that's if they stay. Okay, we're assuming now. All this talk might be true, um, everything we're hearing, that there is momentum for these guys to stay. But that might be another reason why. Let's see if the spin the tires on these two quarterbacks again, whatever way you want to do it. And if it blows up, well, then 
the story's over. Well, and let's be honest here. The other side of the coin, if you don't go the Minshew route and you do draft somebody, well, that's from the, if, if a new, let's, so let's speculate here. If the new regime does come in, okay, and you go after either an offensive-minded uh, head coach or like an offensive, innovative offensive coordinator, okay, and let's say they come in and they go to Shad Khan or whoever or the new GM or if Caldwell's still there, whatever it is, and they go, hey, we have this guy, we've been looking at him, and this is our guy. I understand Minshew I put up some really good rookie numbers. He seems to be promising, but this is our guy here in the draft. We want him, and we'll do whatever it takes to get him. Okay, that's happened before in history. It's happened with other positions, like, uh, for instance, like Julio Jones, right? Yeah. Like the, the Falcons traded all that capital. Uh, Griffin from the Redskins, I think, they traded a bunch yeah, for him. So, did. I mean, it's happened in the I mean, past, It happened right? a little bit in Kansas City. They had Alex Smith. It happened with Alex Smith, and it also happened with uh, Kingsbury. Well, Kingsbury. With Kyle Moore. Yeah, right? with Josh Rosen. We'll that's see right. you later, right? So, if that's the case, and there's an offensive-minded guy that comes in and says, I have my guy, and he's that passionate, and he's willing to fall on the grenades if it doesn't go well, I can respect that part, okay? Yeah, yeah. I respect Kingsbury. Did he make the right decision in letting Rosen go and Murray? I don't know. I have no idea. But you know what? I respect it because he got his guy. He yeah, got his happens. guy and went all in on it. Real yeah. quick thought because we had a comment. Josh Allen, any chance at defensive rookie of the year, even though he should be in the running, is Joey Bosa just going to win it because of the San Francisco yeah. 49ers? He, he should absolutely be in the running of it. But unfortunately, a record goes into that as well. And Joey Bosa's record right now on the San Francisco 49ers, it's just that much better. He should absolutely be in the mix. Without question, this guy is going to be a stud player. But I think the Pro Bowl voting showed you where Bosa ranks. Yeah. He made the Pro Bowl. Allen did not. All right, real quick, some picks. Tomorrow, Texans and Bucks. Houston favored by three. They can wrap up the AFC South. Do you like them or the Bucks? Uh, I like Houston at Tampa Bay, yes. I think Texans are going to get that done, too. That would get them to 10-5, and five, by the way. They have a chance to get to 11-5. and five. That'd be good coming out of the AFC South. I didn't see that Absolutely. coming. Bills and Patriots. Do the Bills have a shot? They're underdogs by six and a half. You know what? Go ahead and give me the Bills. I think it's going to be a closer game than expected. So I think the Patriots win a nail-biter, but I think the Bills keep it close. Yeah, I think that's a good look with the points. I just can't get there, man. Okay. Rule number one, don't bet against the Patriots, especially (laughs) at Gillette Stadium, especially in December. Good call. I'll take the Patriots by a touchdown. Rams at 49ers, great game. Six and a half points for the 49ers. I feel like the 49ers got to bounce back after that game against the Falcons. Granted, injuries uh, have plagued them this past week, but I'm still taking the 49ers. The Rams are kind of on, on the back nine now anyways. They're out of it. I think a little decline for the 49ers. It's a little one, and the Rams have to give everything they've got. This is it for them. I'll say they cover the points, but they don't win. Jags, Falcons, Falcons by seven. Falcons. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't have a good feeling about this. It's a high-powered offense, man. I know, but I like either way. I don't. Austin I don't, Hooper's I don't back. Care about, I, I shouldn't say I don't care about the win. I would like to see this offense perform consistently, get yeah. up and down the field, score points. If you lose 31-27, so be it. The only issue now is you're playing Atlanta Falcons defense, who seems to be hungry all of a sudden the second half of the season. I think it's gonna be tough on them. Uh, all right, uh, let me give you two more. Cowboys, Eagles, Dallas by two. Who do you like? Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, I like the Cowboys, by the way. Okay. And Packers Vikings. So you're going home. Minnesota by <coughs> five and a half. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's go Green Bay. <laughs> Minnesota by five and a half. I'll take Green Bay's points. Especially because this is a dub and cookout. Yeah, I, Brent. Do we go make a bet right now? Yeah. Good luck, by the way. Uh, fantasy football. Oh Happy yeah. Holidays. Have a good, good trip. Merry Christmas. All Merry those Christmas, things. Dude. I'll be back on uh, Monday in studio with Coos. And but, I, uh, have a good trip. And I'm gonna call on Monday. Yes, we'll do so the draft 12 days things. of Christmas draft, Yeah, let's do and it. we'll talk about the Jaguars. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks to uh, Renna's Pizza for hosting us tonight. Come on out to Renna's Pizza, five different locations in the Jacksonville area, including right here, Neptune Beach. Have a good weekend. We'll see you on TV all weekend long as well, CBS 47 and Fox 30. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.